Welcome to Occasionally Awesome. I am Nick Youssef. I'm Kevin Christie. How's it going? It's going okay. Thanksgiving is over. I'm fat. You are. Yep. Very fat. You haven't worked. <laughs> you haven't worked out in like fattest I've been in. I'm gonna say two years. I know why. Two reasons. Two two reasons. Reason one. Uh, you quit working out like a pussy. Right. That's just one. That's not even one A. It's just one. Yeah, it's one. Uh, and two, uh, relationship weight. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah, a real well. thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's a real thing. You put on like 10 pounds, maybe more depending on what your significant other is into eating. Like if you're dating someone who's a vegan, you're not like going out and eating like ice cream and pizza and, you yeah. know, barbecue and all this like, crazy shit. But if you date someone who just kind of eats what you like and just is open to everything, you're trying more stuff, you're going out more. You just essentially eat more food per meal. Because I think when I eat, when I feed myself in my house, uh-huh. it's just like whatever's here, which is routinely very little. Right. And I usually eat just enough to not be hungry anymore. And I, I have this. Uh, I've always had this with every girl I've dated. I'm six foot four and I weigh like around 200 pounds. Right. So a girl always thinks like, oh, well, I'll just, you just eat whatever I don't finish. So I'm always <laughs> eating a meal and a half. Because like most, a lot of girls like don't eat that much. Really, they'll order food and be like, I'm full, like seven bites in. Yeah. And then you end up eating what they eat because you're like, well, I'm not going to like, you know, let yeah. it sit here or throw it away if they don't want to take it home. And then when you get used to that, that kind of like dynamic, right? Every time you go eat somewhere, you order what you want, but then you also have an opinion on what she should get because you yeah. know you're going to eat half. So if you go, man, I really want this salad, but then I also want that chicken sandwich. So you go like, well, I'll get the chicken sandwich, but yeah. you get the salad, and then you get a sandwich and half a salad, a lot of which sharing. is awesome, yeah. but then you're in, you know, you're gaining weight. Yep. Um, but I mean, every single time. It's almost just like I'm just for, because I'm so big that I have to be eating a lot. They're just like, well, I mean, you're twice my size, so you'll finish it. I'm like, why am I now being forced? It's anyway. Gross. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, you are fat. It's awful. <laughs> but the kind of clothing you wear, it's like, it's easy to hide. Like, you, it's not that noticeable. No, it's, 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 uh, like, it's on the beginning stages of noticeable. Yeah. So now is where I have to. <laughs> now is when I have to do something about it because I'm not going to buy new clothes. Oh yeah, you can't let that out. Yeah, I don't want that. That's like. Uh, how much weight have you gained? I haven't weighed myself. I can just tell. Oh. But it, I don't. I I don't think it's like a lot of weight. It's just how the weight is organized currently. I don't right. think. Yeah, I don't like. I don't think I'm like. I would put it under ten pounds. Uh-huh. But it's just I haven't worked out. So like what. Areas that were in one area have now moved. <laughs> areas that were in one area. Yeah, parts of my body that were, I think, in, in, in certain areas have now moved to right. different areas and, and redistributed themselves. So whatever muscle you had oh, went gone. away and then fat appeared 100% in gone. other places. That's funny. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't put it... I don't like feel heavier necessarily, just grosser. Yeah, it's a, it's they're related because when your body's like sluggish and more tired, you just feel gross, and then you yeah. have gained a few pounds, so all of it just feels like Ugh. Ugh. so gross. Speaking of eating shitty and um, all that stuff, uh, do you have any road dates? <laughs> I do not. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, San Francisco, twenty eight, twenty nine, punchline. Okay. 
Um, I have that too, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, this Wednesday, if you live in L.A., uh, I'm on the Meltdown show. The best show in L.A. Uh, this one is f- good. Um, Jonah <laughs> and Kumit. I mean, they're all good, but this <laughs> one's like... Um, I'll be on it. And then uh, Rory Scovel and Maria Bamford, two of my Whoa. favorite comics to watch. Yeah, are Maria Bamford, top, my top ten for sure. Yeah. Oh, she's top five, top three she's probably. She's one of the best comedians ever. Yeah, flat out genius. Yep. So funny, so smart, so great, and a nice person. She's so cool. Yep. Um, but yeah, so that'll be a great show. Uh, that show is always awesome. And I can't wait to see the poster that Dave made for it. Um, yeah, that'll be a one to keep. Yeah, there I frame every one. Oh, you do? Yeah. Okay. Because they're always like so cool looking and yeah, like, he makes good you know, frames like affordable for like a, a poster that size. I'm impressed by his ability, his output ability, actually. Yeah, one every week for the last like 60, however long. Yeah, and they're, and they're always really different. There's a video that he someone made on him and and how he started doing posters for them and then how what is like his process for like you know screen printing blah 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 all that yeah. stuff. It's like five five six minute video maybe. Yeah. But it was a cool little like window into like because when you don't know how to do that stuff, you sit there and you go, how the fuck do you draw and then make a poster every week by hand on your own? And it kind of shows you how and you're like, fuck yeah, man, that's like a hard worker. Yeah. Um, and he's creative and talented. Um, okay, so um, so yeah, Meltdown this Wednesday. That show always sells out, so go online, get tickets for it. Um, and then San Francisco, December 16th through 19th. I'm headlining the Punchline. I'll be recording an album um, on the Friday, Saturday night shows. It's the 18th and 19th. Two shows each night. Get tickets. Some of you have hit me up and said you have, which I appreciate you letting me know. That fills me with confidence. Um, uh, so, yeah, buy tickets for that. That would be awesome. Um, I play that club once a year, so you're probably not going to see me there until the maybe end of 2016. Um, but, yeah, come see this. Let's make it a good crowd so that album sounds great. And I did a show last Saturday. I ran almost all of it in San Diego. I literally couldn't because I ran, I had to leave and get back to LA to do right. another show. So I was like, I have no choice but to say good night. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a little over. It's like an hour or something, ten or twelve, which is too long. Yeah, I think, um, and not even for time necessarily. But there's like a couple things I'm like, I don't know if I need that. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens by the time it is the sixteenth of of. December in San Francisco but get tickets go to that uh, Lake Tahoe the following week 23rd through 27th at the Improv um, and then anything else is on NickYousef.com uh, go check that out my pin is still available uh, I'm going to bring those to San Francisco by the way I'm going to bring those and some records of my first album so, so vinyl of my first album and then those pins will be on sale uh, after the shows. So, um, and I think I'm going to set up some sort of credit card square thing or something. Right. So it's because cash would be a nightmare. Yeah. And who the fuck carries cash? Nobody. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so that's that. And then this episode, um, you connected us with, with yeah, our guests. This is, uh, I met this uh, lady through Jerry. She is a 
<clears throat> therapist named Sarah Michael Novia. You may know her from the VH1 show Couples Therapy. And yeah, I've always I've I've met her a couple times. Always found her interesting and smart and funny. So I thought she'd be a good guest. So we talked to her about being a therapist and who she works with, who she won't work with, and why. Yeah. And just kind of the nature. I I, I mean I think the most interesting thing we got into is the nature of certain like modern pro- the kind of problems that are popping up because of modern life and modern technology and yeah, what's yeah. happening in people's brains. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's uh, she's an interesting person for sure. And then <laughs> she she analyzed me for a little while, which was kind of fun, right? <laughs> um, which just kind of fell into. Um, I have issues with uh, <laughs> which I already knew yeah. uh, with intimacy and com- commu- no commitment. Sorry, um, which we're not going to get into detail in the intro because you're going to have to listen to the episode. Right. But she does dig into me a little and I don't I'm very open with that stuff so I was yeah. like yeah let's do it <laughs> let's talk about it on on the podcast yeah um, so it was fun I learned a couple things uh, you might learn a couple things about me as well <laughs> um, but good episode uh, and you can see Sarah on couples therapy on VH1 yeah uh, she works on that show and then her Twitter is Sarah Michael Novia Sarah with an H yep. Michael spelled the usual way Novia spelled N-O-V-I-A. So check her out, and then um, she gives out her website and info, all this info again. And then a couple more things. If you are actually interested in seeking out therapy or a psychologist or any sort of professional help like that, um, she gives out some information on where to go and where to find a good therapist, not just like here's a popular one, but like where to watch videos on them and all that kind of stuff. It's a really interesting, like, tool i think for it uh especially if you're like skeptical about the whole therapy thing which i am in and out of i'm always like i don't know you know uh so those websites seem good those she plugs at the end of the episode so check those out if that's something you're into and with that uh enjoy this episode we will see you next week Okay, so a thank you for doing this. You're welcome. And thank for you for me. you brought sandwiches. Yeah, which I told you earlier makes you automatically the best podcast. It doesn't matter how this goes. You could walk out halfway through and be like, "Fuck you guys," and be like, "Still the best podcast." Yeah, guys. MVP. She brought us sandwiches. You can pass out right now, and we just be like, ah. "We could yeah. probably fill a good twenty minutes about the sandwiches." And be like, "She's out," but yeah, she's been good. gone. Yes. But we're <laughs> she's done. Yeah. Been out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I think you probably get in your profession, which which is similar to what comics get, is when people meet comics, they go, you're a comedian, tell me a joke, is one of the most annoying things you can hear. Do you get your uh, psychologist, psychiatrist, are you analyzing me right now? I absolutely get that all the Isn't time. It, all the it's got to be the worst. First of all, I'm not, because I'm not at work. And uh-huh. thank you. Unless you're showing crazy red flags that I have to be aware of because I'm afraid of you. <laughs> yeah, for your personal safety. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to work when I'm out. I right. get that or I get extremely inappropriate storytelling where I'm like, oh. we, are, we are not close enough for this. I just met you at a party. Please don't tell me about your Oh, abortion. they just start unloading all their like yeah. demons and problems. It's and Very tri- scary. Wow. So That's got to happen. So much more than the average person that's like, look, let me tell you my deepest, darkest secrets. Yeah. Do you ever tell people like, can you not tell everyone I'm a therapist right away? I constant. I usually say I'm a hostess. Oh, really? Like if I'm out and I just yeah don't want to deal. Yeah, I'm a hostess at a restaurant. 
I do that sometimes where I go, I don't want to tell people I'm a comedian. Because then it's <laughs> yeah. just going to be a series of generic questions that I've answered 500,000 times. Yeah. yeah. I find that people either find themselves right next to me or very far away once they find out I'm a therapist. So like, yeah. Let me get in that or I don't want to talk to her. Weird. Okay. That's got to suck. When, 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 what situations are you like, I'm so glad I do this right now because like, I'm in Red con- flag situations. It's my favorite because I, I can see crazy from a mile away. Okay. What's, so. Do you have an example, like a story? Without, obviously, without using names or anything. I, I can see it faster on women because I treat primarily women. Okay. So a lot of women have crazy eyes. That's a real thing. Yeah. And it really is. <laughs> and a lot of guys can't see them. I know that they're sometimes obstructed by hot bodies, perhaps, but like I will be at a party with a guy friend and he'll be like, that chick is so hot. I'm like, that chick has crazy eyes. Why don't you see that? Yeah. You can't tell that that chick's totally nuts. I used to go for that. Some I was like, that chick's do. got the crazy yeah, eyes. A lot sure. Of yeah. It'll be more fun for a little while until Absolutely, she burns down your house. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I just see bunny boilers everywhere. I'm like, I, I don't want to be friends with you. Right. <laughs> Wow. And my guy friends tend to not heed my advice and then call me later and say, I can't believe how crazy this chick is. And I'm like, we knew that the second we met her, this is your fault. Uh huh. So. But they just couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. Do wow. you have trouble? Like, you pr- obviously, you have several people in your life that you probably could help if they asked, and maybe they haven't asked. Do you have trouble, like, not saying stuff when you know you have the ability to help them? And you're just like, I got to let, let you do your thing. But I, and you see stuff they're doing. You're like, ah, if you, hey, <laughs> like you, is it hard for you to kind of hold your tongue? It isn't necessarily hard for me to hold my tongue, but yes, I definitely see that. And I try not to help people who aren't asking. Right. So if they do ask and we are friends and I can help, I'm happy to. But I think that people who don't want help won't receive it anyway. Right. And you, you treat... Only women. Yes. And that what? Is that why by choice? You, it is. It is by choice and experience. What was the problem with treating dudes? Yeah. So I'll give you a great example. A guy will call me and say, "I'm broke. My girlfriend left me. I'm depressed. I don't know what to do." I'll say, "Are you suicidal?" No, but I definitely like think it might be easier to not be alive. Okay. Do you want to come into the office tomorrow? Yes. Comes in the office, sits down, takes one look at me, and he's like, "I'm fine." I'm like, yesterday you called me crying and you were you were really depressed and you're totally broke. He's like, oh, things have really turned around. What? And I'm like, they ha- this is a very exaggerated version. But basically what happens is there's a very male ego-centric issue with seeing a female therapist, especially one who's age-appropriate, uh-huh. where it becomes increasingly difficult to tell the truth about things. And because you don't want a not bad looking chick to know that you are having problems. Right. And so it really, for me, it interfered with their work far more than it. it, it what matters to me is being able to do a good job. And if I can tell that me being a little too young is inhibiting that, I'm not interested. How old are you? Wow. <laughs> is How that like a I weird look? question still? <laughs> I mean, you look young for... A therapist for sure. Okay. I want to go back to the wow part because <laughs> you were like, I can't believe you just said that. I've not run into anyone that's had a problem with me asking them that. Female in, I mean, in years. Just, can we just say I'm 27? You say whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. You could say I don't want to answer. No, I'm 36. Okay. Well, but. congratulations. You don't look it. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, 
that makes total sense to me. Oh. I have a female therapist. I would say I'm 90% honest with her. But there's definitely stuff I will it'll either take me a while to tell her uh-huh. or I don't at all. So, have you ever thought of switching to a male? No, cuz I because... really like my therapist is very good. <laughs> like uh-huh. I think she's very useful. Like she's been incredibly useful. I wonder if male therapists though have that problem with male what do you call them clients? That, yeah. yeah. Um because isn't there a thing with dudes where they're like I don't want to seem like, you know, weak or less of a man around another man, you know? Or does that like to what degree does that kind of to do those guards fall down when you're just in a therapist's office and you're like this isn't the place to have an ego? When you have the right therapist. Okay. So, if you're a if you're a smart male, you want to make sure you're with a really smart male therapist. Yeah. Sometimes it's helpful to have someone who's a little bit older than you are to feel that experience. Uh, it might be tough to have someone who's around the same age because then yeah. you might feel competitive. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of those issues with transference. You know, if you have really serious dad issues, a male therapist might not be the best thing. And with women, if you have really serious mom issues, it might be better to have a male therapist. On the opposite side, if you have really serious dad issues, it might be nice to use some transference to realize that all men aren't bad or, you know, some men can be kind and loving and caring. Yeah. So you want to find the best fit for you. That's what's really important. So it's more for you like the fact that you're a pretty younger female is an issue for some dudes. Where they're like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. Now I'm like, well, my guard is unfair, up. I'm acting different. Right. Unfair about not expecting that is my picture is up on my Psychology Today website, uh-huh. like, which is where if you are looking for a therapist, that's a really great resource okay. because you can see a little picture and a little blurb about the practice. Mm-hmm. And so most people who find me on there are already aware that I'm not a bad looking woman. Yeah. So they... They probably, and there's a halo effect where you tend to listen to more attractive people quicker. And so some people say like, oh yeah, I want to have a good looking therapist. I'll pay more attention or whatever it is. But then when they actually get in there and they're faced with that, it's harrowing. So also inherently want to impress good looking people, which is problematic in therapy. Exactly. So do you dress like, um, when you're in the office, do you dress like, extra professional like a you know suit or like super conservative do you like play down any like you wear your hair up and your glasses like do you do you go like go the whole nine to be like i don't want to look like a sexual being definitely okay, now yeah. less so because i only treat women right so it's not as big of a concern but for sure i worked in a in a psych institute for oh. a while in connecticut and Whoa. i wore buttoned up oxfords mm. and khaki pants and clogs and my hair back and no makeup ever mm-hmm. because the last thing that I need is to have any sort of attraction. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Do you feel, I always wonder as a therapist who's been doing it a while, do you notice like trends in the things people come in with or that, that like, oh, right now seems a lot of people are freaked out about this. Not necessarily in relation to like, oh, I have a lot of clients the same age or whatever, but like this seems to be like a hot dysfunction everyone's having. Definitely. One of the biggest first noticeable instances of that was there was a cutter on an MTV real world, maybe it was. Uh-huh. And there's a contagion that happens with a lot of these psychiatric problems where even if you just sat at your house and read the DSM, you'd be like, I have that. Wait, I think I have that. Oh, wait, I'm, you know, you see, you sit there and self-diagnose because a lot of the things are a little bit familiar. They may not be pervasive in your life, but 
because you're reading it, it's like a weird reticular activation where you're like, I see this, I feel this, I know this, I am this. Right, like how everyone thinks they're OCD or autistic. Exactly, because you start to hear about it, and then you just place things in your own life on that. Uh So when cutting happened, cutting is just a really poor coping skill, right? Like for some people, it really does feel a little better because it makes you feel pain on the outside as opposed to the inside. And when people saw that as a way to escape inside pain, they tried it, which is horrific in itself, but also it was really interesting from a therapeutic perspective of, oh, this is a thing that when people find out about it, they do it as opposed to being like, oh, that's not a good idea. Right. And that happens a lot. What's hot right now? Right now there's a lot of... It's actually like political angst I've noticed with clients. Really? Yeah, like just having a really hard time with what's going on in the world and sort of the lack of contributing to helping about any of it. I've had, I've done I've definitely had that discussion in therapy where I've been like get completely distracted and end up talking about something un- like completely unrelated to my own life for the entire time. And you have a therapy set list sometimes. Is that actually the things no. you think you're talking no, about? No, no, no. Those are never accurate. Oh, okay. <laughs> Those are just made up. <laughs> That's just fun, fun random yeah. things. Yeah. Because yeah. I make a list before I go into therapy of the things I need to hit. I, I mean, Wait, I you, have go, you go see a therapist. Absolutely. Okay. Weekly. I actually have two therapists. Whoa. One who's amazing and one who takes my insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so why two, though, if one's already amazing? Well, so the one who's really amazing is incredibly prohibitively expensive, but I can't give her up because she does such a great job. Oh, she just don't go see her as much. Right. Got it. The other one's like the filler therapist because because <laughs> I am a therapist, I need to constantly be making sure that I'm at my healthiest for my clients. Really? And so for that, I just go to the other one. So there was no part of you or before that you were like, God, I need a therapist. I feel like everyone needs a therapist. Really? And I get nervous when people say, I don't need therapy. Uh huh. Because that's a red flag. <laughs> what if you're just like a well balanced individual that, or is no one that well balanced to you, where? You could be very well balanced, but, but where are you when something actually happens? Like, I don't mean you need to necessarily go every week, uh-huh. but I think that being open to the therapeutic process and also having a therapist in mind so that you're not scrambling for one sure. when something does actually happen. And especially if you're interested in relationships, the idea that anyone is getting into any relationships without a therapist on call, it just seems ridiculous at this point. Wow. Yeah. Seems a little extreme to me. I mean, it's also my profession, so I'm touting (laughs) it. You got to defend it. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that when you, especially when you're older entering a relationship, when you're young entering a relationship, you really don't know anything. So you just kind of figure stuff out. Uh When you're older, you come with a whole set of baggage. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) and then you're encountering most likely someone else with a whole set of baggage. So if you're going to join those two sets together, wouldn't it be nice to have someone impartial to help you just work out the kinks? Yeah. Do you specialize or do you do primarily more individual therapy or couples therapy? I actually do only only individual therapy. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. Couples you can't do dudes. So there would be no couples. Right. So I do couples on the show. Right. Because it's for entertainment. Right. But I actually think that if you need couples therapy, you could probably use some individual therapy anyway. My therapist is a couples therapist also. And I once said to her, I go, it seems like couples therapy is the thing you do. So you can say you tried everything, but it's a little too late. Most people don't do therapy proactively, which is why it doesn't always work as well. 
if you're already in therapy, as opposed to saying like something terrible has happened and I need to go get a therapist and deal with it, then you're used to, because there's a lot of terminology, there's a lot of techniques that if you already have them in place, then when something does happen, you have a list of good coping skills and places to turn and things you need to do. Whereas if you wait till something happens, like most people who go to couples therapy have already had a ton of terrible problems. Yeah. So when you meet someone, if you're like, I don't mean, you know, right at the beginning, but if you're like, we're going to get married. Like your second date is a therapy <laughs> session. <laughs> just, let's just take this to therapy and make sure. Yeah. It's before I introduce out. you to my parents, I'd like you to meet my therapist. <laughs> exactly. But I do think if you're thinking like, let's move in together or let's get engaged, yeah. then, then both being comfortable with a person who can help in those times, then when things go south, you don't feel like you're just left blown in the wind so with that example and then your previous one where you're like what you can be a well-balanced individual but what if something goes wrong um which i assume you mean just like your your life falls apart in some unexpected horrific way like you're laid off you lose your job you've had for 10 years you get divorced family member dies or whatever yeah death um, is usually the biggest one right so i mean a, i feel like if you're a well-balanced individual and something like that happens, like your average person would then seek support from like their immediate community or family to get through it because they, in all other arenas of life, are you know able to live a healthy life and deal with problems. That's a lot of assumptions, though. You're assuming sure. that they have that support system set up and that all of those people are available and ready right. for that, which they may be, and that's awesome. Which is part B. So do you think more people now need... Uh, therapy or seek it out because they don't have those like communities set up around them. Like everyone's so much, so much more isolated and lonely and like not dealing with problems by like talking to each other, like in person and, and actually sorting things out like with a family or with a friend. Social media and text messaging have ruined people's lives. Yeah. They are awfully convenient, but the feeling of isolation is real. Yeah. People don't go out anymore. They don't pick up the phone and call people. You know, like by the time you have said problem, you may have tried to do a lot of things by yourself on your own or like reached out to people through Facebook or whatever it is. But because you're not having, you know, a a weekly call. I remember growing up, my mom talked to her best friend on the phone every single day, every night, like after dinner, they'd have a chat. Uh And when things don't go well for either of them, they're absolutely, they're each other's best friends. Yeah. I feel like I don't know what teenagers do now. Like I'm afraid for them to yeah. get older and and go through all that stuff because they don't have those support systems. You don't have to live, you don't it's not the same level of community. People don't know their neighbors. You don't have to because you have so much access to so many people, but all of those people for the most part are very superficial relationships. Yeah. And I think they people deal with world problems the same way now too, where like they see it on a superficial level because you have more access to all that information now, so you know what's going on in like the Middle East and Africa and North Korea and stuff, but in just little doses. So you see it and then you feel bad and you post something and then you move on and you've never really digested what is actually going on. And then your empathy levels, I feel like, are so much lower nowadays. 
than they yes have been and because no, they're both lower and higher. In what ways are they higher? They're lower because you're numb, but they're higher because you have so much access to everything. So you're seeing everything and you're constantly feeling like basically anyone who changed a Facebook to the French flag, right, uh-huh. is feeling that incident, even though it has very little daily re- relevance. Right. But if you're feeling it for like two days, but like, I think like a a lot of people, they feel it and go, oh, I feel bad and it would look good. You tell yourself it'll look good if I change my picture because that's how I'm supposed to feel online. A lot of my friends are doing it. I should do it too. So it's not like you don't actually feel bad. You don't have a sympathy for like victims, but you, you do. And then you go like, oh, that's probably the right thing to do is to change this. But then two days later, they're back to their original picture and they're not thinking about Paris. They're not thinking about victims. They're not thinking about, you know, how Muslims are treated in the world. They're not thinking about any of that stuff. They're right. moving on to the next thing or back to their own life. Yes. Maybe it's just constant empathy in small doses. Because there is kind of a new thing to be empathetic for constantly yeah. because of the amount of exposure. But I think, like, empathy isn't a superficial thing. You can't, like, you can just say, like, oh, like, if you walk by a homeless guy and you go, oh, and then, like, four seconds later, you're on your cell phone looking at your Twitter like what that's not it's real empathy on a super super superficial level but then you're just you're you're in and out of it like so quickly that you're not ever absorbing anything and really feeling bad and i think part of that is like you're raised in a way where you're never making eye contact with people you're never like having long conversations where you actually feel someone's pain and then when you see pain later in the world like if you talk to your friends about a family member who died you know and you spend 2 3 days having this conversation with your friend who you know you're 12 13 14 and their grandfather died or whatever and you have these conversations and you know what it's like to watch your friend hurt and cry and all that later on in life you'll have more empathy for for other people that are just strangers that have you know Definitely. someone blow up in a concert hall or something like that but I think like younger people don't have that. They're not. Well, we're ta- they're taught, I think, to sort of avoid. It's a culture of avoidance. So even though you're posting your your new profile picture, mm. etc., it's actually more of a. Ooh, I don't really feel like dealing with that though. Yeah. In real life, so what you're saying is very accurate. Yeah. People are they're more socially conscious, basically, but they're also. They don't want to have that energy around them. I've right. Heard a lot of people say stuff like that, like, "Ooh, I'm sorry that you're going through that, but I really can't have that energy around me right now. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, that's mean. Like, yeah. It really is. That person is suffering. It's cold hearted shit. Yeah. And I've heard yeah. people say things like, you know, that if like when someone's going through a hard time, they'll say like, oh, you got to stay away from her. She's really she's going through a rough time right now. And it's like, whoa, somebody's going through a rough time. That person needs strong people to rally around her. Right. Not the opposite. The opposite is going to make it worse for sure. So, I mean, I, I think that the, if there's a, a lesson in here, it's that. When you do find people you love, you should rally around them. You should make an effort to see them in person, uh-huh. even if it's for a little while or, or once a month or whatever it is. But get into the habit of saying, yeah, come on over. Let's make dinner or let's do something together as opposed to like, yeah, call me whenever. Let's have lunch. Yeah, or let's email yeah. or something. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's um, I try and do that more and more because I was like I've I've slowly over the years become that person that will like oh i should call my friend who lives in new york 
but then it's like you know in an hour i need to be doing something or or i just don't really have the time so i'll we'll start a text conversation that i can do kind of on the side while i'm like sending other emails or you know whatever um but then over like the last couple years i'm like you know what no i'm gonna block out 90 minutes and call my friend and catch up and talk because there's going to be bullet points that you're going to want to like talk about that you can over text because you follow each other on Instagram or Twitter. Hey, I saw that you were just in, you know, London or you went to Mexico or you just got a promotion and you can bullet point that through a text. But like getting on the phone and talking, you will talk about the promotion, but then that'll like start a conversation within that conversation about like, you know, your fears about where you're going in life, which is 30 minutes right there. Yeah. And that's a conversation you're probably not having with a lot of because then I'm going to now talk to you about my fears right. of failure and success and and money you problems. An and, yeah, and then at the end of that, both of you feel more connected as friends and like better and as humans. Yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely. but so to bring that all back around, um, do you think that like there has been like a rise in people like seeking out therapists because they can't seek out family and friends? to have these sorts of conversations where they feel just lonelier and like a little more hopeless. I do. And I think that there's a really scary trend toward the computerized therapy, Yeah, which I think that initially will and should really take off because it's a great idea in theory of like, you can get help anytime with, you know, a computer that knows what questions to ask her. But what it's actually doing is it'll help you for a little bit and you'll feel better for a little while. And then it's just, you're diving deeper into the loneliness because right. you start to realize like I'm dealing with my problems with the computer. This is another <laughs> yeah. chance to have a human experience that I'm missing. Yeah. And so there's a lot of backlash from therapists of like, what do we, you know, people are like, you're just worried that the computers are going to take your jobs. No, not really. We're actually worried about the people because the way this is going to affect them later is way scarier than the little bit of help it's going to give them right now. Uh-huh. God, that's insane computerized therapy sounds so scary yeah i mean it's there are some really cool techniques like cognitive behavioral therapy there are apps that can help you learn to think uh more clearly happier etc that you know the problem is is that they plateau very quickly yeah so they're really awesome for the app first because they teach you techniques you didn't know before Mm. but then once you've learned those techniques you're still a person who hasn't connected with anyone who learned a couple of computer techniques and that's not going to take you where you need to go. Wow. Have you noticed with how much time people are now spending with themselves and in their phones and on the computers that the kind of problems people come into you with seems are a little small and like, cause I I feel like that stuff has increased my, uh, increased my neurosis and in a, to a certain degree because it speeds kind of speeds everything up and since you don't talk to people as often, it, it you're kind of rattling around in your own head. Like, I find myself in therapy sometimes just sort of bombing. Like, a thing I thought was, like, a problem. And as I'm saying it out loud, I'm like, what? And this is not a thing. <laughs> but, like, you kind of, you have almost more time and your own, you only have your own counsel a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So that you, a lot of it's, like, self-created. Yes, but a lot of it's also exclusions i would say that the biggest problem that i hear social media based is all my friends were invited to this all my friends were in this picture all my friends were at this party 
And so you have access. You didn't used to do that. If people had a party and you didn't get the message, you didn't freak out about it. You're like, oh man, I missed the party. That sucks. Next time. Yeah. And now it's like, if you don't get the invite, it's because someone didn't want you there because they have access to you. They could find you. They could get you there. So you see a picture of a bunch of your friends and you're not there and you didn't know about it. It's almost humiliating for some people. Yeah. And so they'll come in and they'll be like, I don't have any friends anymore. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> you're like, just... slow down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'll show me. I mean, I have clients constantly take out their cell phones in sessions to show me things on their phones. It's oh, like man. as if it's some kind of real proof. Yeah. They're like, you must... my friends don't love me. <laughs> you yeah. must hear the word Facebook so much. So much. That's a bummer. And Snapchat. That's a big oh, one, too. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. I just tried to join Snapchat. I can't figure it out. It's fun. <laughs> I don't know how to do it's it. It's easy. It's really easy. I'll walk you through it. All right. It's easy. <laughs> I've had to do this with like a bunch of people. Can I be, I, can I, I be I, after her? Yeah. <laughs> I think I got, can I make an appointment? <laughs> I think I, it was like show all your contacts and I got through like F and I was like, I'm tired. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, I can't do it. Yeah. Hearing pe- when I hear people complain about Facebook, I'm like, oh, man. This sounds so stupid. I was able to give myself so much more uh, personal freedom by, A, just barely ever checking Facebook. Because I really have no real purpose to be on there, you know. And a few months ago, maybe like four or five months ago, I went into my phone settings and I turned off every single notification for every app. And I turned the volume. I turned the volume off like a year or more ago. So it's on silent, no vibrate. Yeah. So if anyone calls or texts, um, before that I would have my phone out every ten, fifteen seconds right. or whatever because it'd always be buzzing or you know. Mm-hmm. So now I I can go like an hour, two hours, which is not long compared to you know right. before we had smartphones. But I'm like back in control of when I respond to you. So I try to do four hours a day, not on my phone, whether they're split up or it's one chunk of time, mm-hmm. but I just, I need that break from it as well. Yeah. Uh, for clients, it's a little scarier because sometimes there are things I need to get, but in terms of responding socially, like I'm introverted, I get my energy from being home by myself. The last thing that I need is a constant vibrating, disrupting that. Yeah. And so I'm with you. Like, I think that's important. We have got to disconnect from things. It's the other reason I love going camping. Yeah. I don't think I'm like a traditional camping type, but just the just the unplugging from everything and not having access to it and not being not having to deal with it, not being able to deal with it yeah. is my favorite. How, whatever the disorder is called where you can't get away from your phone, I definitely at least have some of it. Yeah. I don't think I'm the most severe, but I do have a unhealthy relationship with my phone. Yeah, you get on your phone sometimes while we're on doing a podcast, yeah. which is infuriating. <laughs> but is your phone on you right now? It's, it's right, right there. there. But oh. sometimes we'll be like talking, and then he'll be like, and I'm like, I'm gonna yell at you. <laughs> I won't, I can't do it. Like if I'm sitting with yeah. someone and that person takes, it, I'm gonna put your phone away. I'll, yeah. I'm gonna le- or I'm gonna leave. Like I don't want to. I don't want to hang out with you while you're on your phone. That's yeah, there's, fun. there's. I've gotten certain- better at like. When I eat with people and stuff, I yeah. don't take it out anymore. Well, because the thing is, is it's basically saying nothing you're telling me right now face to face is more important than what might be going on on my phone. For me, it's not social. It's more like my phone to me is where like bad news comes from or emergencies. And so I, in my head, live in like, I'm like waiting for a thing to come from the phone. I'm okay, not like, so- oh, what's going on? It's more like shit. Like if the if I, my phone vibrates, 
I, there's no way I could wait to like look at it. Are they? Are you expecting random emergencies, or yeah. are you worried about particular people? Random. I'm both. Because particular people, you could put a different ringer on. I don't know. We can help you with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want. I mean, I, I'd never. I don't. I mean, I only have it vibrate. Yeah. Like my phone ringing would be. That'd be so horrible. Okay, but so if you but if you were really concerned about emergencies, you could set it so that at least those people would be able oh, to get right. in contact with you, yeah. as opposed to just any time you get a text, it might be an emergency, which is not a very healthy way to live. <laughs> no, it I doesn't know. sound like it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, I mean, to a certain degree, that's how I, I mean, I, that's how I interpret my relationship with my phone, is when it vibrates, it's 50-50 whether or not it's something fun or something horrific. Those are really terrible odds. I know. But and then the more I think about it lately, though, is like no one's going to text me in an emergency. They're going to call me. My right. phone rings. I get an, a legitimate, like, anxious feeling. Okay. Like, I don't. It's not like, oh, who's this? It's like, oh, fuck. Like, it, I, and I think that's happening to a lot of people now where when the phone rings, it's anxiety provoking as opposed to exciting. Like, I don't know if you guys remember being in eighth grade and the phone rang. You're like, please be. Hooray. Yeah. Right. I wish I hope it's not for one of my yeah. sisters. Well, when my home phone rings. It's like it's the weirdest thing ever because it's a, a it's a sound I rarely hear. And it's only I don't even know why it would be. It's like an alarm. The alarm company. It's something really odd or like some sort of telemarketer. Yeah, some random telemarketer. Yeah, so it's never like, hey, what will this be? It's like, ugh. And yeah. I have to like run. The dogs don't recognize it, so they bark at it because it's a new sound. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's but no, really I funny. have that problem with the phone for sure. Yeah. So you run into a lot of like lonely social media. I think lonely people. in general is just a huge theme right now. I think that people, yeah. because they're not connecting in person so much, there's really deep dark feelings of loneliness and Netflix and chill. Well, I think that's a fun concept. Right. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the times it's by yourself. And so people, I have clients who come in and they say, I've been watching television for four days by myself. Like I haven't talked to anyone. I haven't done anything. And so you used to never be able to do that. A show had to be on. It had to be on uh-huh. at a certain time yeah. on a certain night. You couldn't just watch it whenever, unless you had a VCR and you recorded it. Right. Even that. What were those? <laughs> Who the hell was doing four that? hours tops? Yeah, yeah. That's one of the new cry for helps I've noticed. Is instead of people going like, "Yeah, I was on like a four day bender and I got like trashed and hooked up with these girls and I just it was a nightmare." Now it's like, "Yeah, so I watched like three straight seasons of Breaking Bad in like yeah. four days." It's like, "Are you okay?" I restarted yes. the Wire. Hey, are you all right? Yeah, is everything all right? Talk. Yeah. Yeah. And you can get all your food delivered to you at this point. Like, you really don't have to leave your house. You can get everything Everything sent delivered, to you. yes. Yeah. Even, like, I mean, even girls. Like, if you're at home <laughs> and you're, like, I'm serious, not, like, an escort or anything, but, like, you can, I've talked to friends that, like, aggressively use Tinder, and they're just, like, at home, they're like, well, I want to meet a girl and I want to get laid, but I don't want to go out. And I'm, I think that's where the Netflix and chill thing probably started someone was at home watching netflix and they're like let me find some girl on tinder and just get her to come over here and watch netflix how does the girl not know that you're not a murderer is what i want to know i mean i have no idea how some girls would just like get in their car or in an uber and just go to a random person's house also if you're if you're soliciting girls for coming over for sex do you at least send the uber (laughs) (laughs) i think like a nice thing to do yeah i think sometimes people do that i feel like you should i feel like i wanted to create an app actually where it sends breakfast to the girl the next day particularly if you don't want her to sleep over yeah just like has a list of stuff she likes and the next day that's a great idea 
idea. breakfast from you. That's yeah. a great That's idea. Nice. Like, let's bring a little politeness back into this world yeah. of random casual dating. You right, also right. can get enough. I mean, when I've been single, you can get enough attention without anyone coming over to feel like you're still alive. You text right. with someone for an hour or two. You're like, ah, that felt social. And then you, you're like, I talked to a human. Kind of. Yeah. Feels fun. Sometimes I'll get, yeah, I'll get that feeling satisfied by just like messaging with some girl. And then like she'll send some weird nude pictures or something. And I go like, I could have gotten laid if I wanted to. Like I'd that would have like led to that. And I'd then like I'm good. Just go through your phone for a little while. <laughs> Who mind? Yeah. It's really not that crazy. <laughs> just want to see what's going on. If you went through it when I was like. Are you analyzing me right now? <laughs> Wait, if you, how old am I now? 33. So I've been sober three and a half years. If you went through my phone four and a half years ago, it would have been way crazy. Well, you first you'd have to yeah. flip it open because it was four years ago. Well, oh, yeah. I would have like a Blackberry. Yeah, there wouldn't yeah. be any pictures. Yeah. <laughs> there, yeah, maybe not a lot. Um, what do you see as a long... I mean, have you started to maybe compartmentalize what the long-term effects of all this stuff is going to be? Absolutely. And they're terrifying. I mean, I really think that the feelings of isolation will continue to grow until as a society we're like, hey, I mean, we've already said this isn't good for us. This is bad. This isn't social. And yet we're just going forward with all of it. So I do try instead of instead of texting, I try to FaceTime with my friends just so that even if we're not hanging out, we're seeing each other. I can mm-hmm. s- it's also hilarious to surprise someone with a FaceTime call. Right. Oh, like, I do. I do just it all your head the time. popping up is really funny. Yeah. People are like, please stop FaceTiming me. <laughs> I won't. I will not stop. Like, uh-huh. I think it's important. I want to see you. If you're not going to come over, that's fine. But like, let's see each other's faces. <laughs> right. And like, I'll have friends who will, who will just put it up at the ceiling and talk to me. And I'm like, could you just let me look at you, please? <laughs> that's so funny that people are like too weirded out by we're like, like we have the technology where we're practically hanging out yeah. and we choose to avoid it which is even weirder because it's like you can facetime and hang and and you could even like you know my family's on the east coast so mm. they'll facetime during dinner and i'll stay on until i could tell people are like oh god who wants to talk to her next i'm like just i gotta go <laughs> right because okay. it's just like awkward you know there's a term for that where people are like they choose to not do face-to-face or over the phone conversations or arguments they call it friction free wow that's totally crazy i've yeah. never heard of it but I'm so gonna... it's called friction free like uh conversations or interactions where you can like better edit your thoughts via text or email and not have to get into the in between you know the parts yes. where you're like look you need if you have like a roommate or something like you need to like clean more no, I clean enough. And then you start getting into this right. conversation. And who the fuck knows? Heated. Yeah, who knows where it's going to go? Other more personal right. stuff will come up. Friction so people go, free. way too much friction. So I'm just going to write an email about these very specific things and send it to him. Then I don't have to deal with it. And then he or she can respond. Well, and so then- I actually, I recommend that for breaking things off with someone you've been on one to two dates with. Okay, I yeah. will say it's very nice. I don't believe in ghosting. I think yeah. that's totally cruel. It yeah, it sucks. People, because most of the time you're just trying to keep the door open as opposed to like saying this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's super rude about it. So I recommend that you send a text message just as like, hey, it was really great getting to know you better. I don't think this is a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. And the reason I recommend it as a text instead of a call is because that gives that person time to think about how he or she wants to respond mm-hmm. as opposed to being put on the spot. Like, I don't like you. Oh, I didn't. That wasn't the impression I got from our date. Yeah. Right. So 
<clears throat> in that case, it's actually a really polite thing to go friction free. Yeah. Because then that person isn't caught off guard or if he is, he has time to process it. Yeah. Their reaction can be a little more dignified. Yeah. Yes. I agree with that. As I opposed to like, if you've been out on more than three dates, then it should probably be an in-person. Sure. Figure yeah. out how to, you know, be polite about it. Yeah. I think that's a good way to do it too. Cause people are like, they don't know what to make right away. They're like, well, we went out twice and like we hung out a lot and they were really nice and we were getting along super great and saying all these nice things. And then I've never heard from him or her ever again. Right. It's really like it will, it will go away in a few days, but like why do that to someone for three but days? Even worse is that then there's a text a month later from the person like, Hey, what's up? Right. right. So that's just like torture. Yeah. Allow that person to have the door closed on it. You weren't that interested or you would have signed up for it. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. noticed I've never gotten any kind of argument from, I don't think this is a good fit. There's not a lot you can say. People are just kind of like, okay. Especially if it's two dates in. Yeah. Yeah. What are you? Right. Yeah. Does business get hot every time Adele puts out a record? Business is crazy right now. (laughs) Is she having an effect? No, it's, there's been, there's a legitimate effect. Yeah. No, it's, there's been crazy numbers thrown out. I don't know how accurate they are, but of people calling, reaching out, getting sad, crying. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot. Adele's really rocking the, the. Casual dating yeah. world right now. Yeah. This is supposed to be her least sad album ever, though. But I mean, she started out sad, right? So I mean, she's only dialing it to sad. Maybe people are going back to the old albums. They're like, is oh she, yeah, is she in a relationship now? I think she's yeah, she's in one and has a kid. Be a bummer to be the. I mean, she dropped this like super sad ex song. Do you think she had to be like, look, here's the thing, <laughs> yeah. I have a brand, and yeah. while I love you, yeah. do you like our castle? And then <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. I'm not cheating, but I had to spend a lot of time thinking about the like. I, if I'm him, I don't want to be cruising around. People would yell at me like, "Hey, hey, how's hi?" Right. <laughs> so like, <ugh>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So how long have you been a therapist? Since 2006. Okay, what did you do before that? Um, I was a lounge singer in Manhattan. Get the fuck out! Wow, <laughs> yeah. that's cool. <laughs> I don't know any lounge singers. That's cool. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. So I sang really slow, sad songs. No way. In New York until I went to grad school. Yeah. That is so cool. It's pretty fun. Did you I, plan on being a therapist? Never. No. I uh, I planned on being a rock star. Right. Yeah, for sure. Turns out I don't do drugs. It's okay. really hard Turns to Turns out you didn't know until later. I You're really like, didn't oh, I don't want to no. do. So when I was in sixth <laughs> grade, I think, the teachers were like, we're going to make a time capsule. And you're going to write where you're going to be for the millennium. And so my mom finds it. I was probably 31 or 32. And she's like, I found this time capsule from sixth grade. Let's open it. And in the time capsule, it's one sheet of paper. And it says, where do you think you'll be in the year 2000? And I wrote dead. <laughs> and my mom was like, what? And I said, oh, no, I thought I was going to party till I died. Like, this wasn't a depressed thing. This yeah. was like, I was planning to be a rock star. I just assumed that rock stars died at 20. Like, that's how Did it Did your goes. teacher read it? I don't know. Like, didn't anyone call my parents and say they were worried? No. I did a drawing of a gravestone once in seventh grade, and they called my mom. Really? Yeah, they, I was just learning how to draw rocks right. or whatever. I was like, <laughs> how do you make something look like a stone? They got all worried. Yeah. No, that would make sense. But if, I mean, if you wrote dead, wouldn't they? I think maybe they didn't read it. I just thought I was going to party till I died. And I think if they had asked me, that's what I would have said. Like, oh, no, I'm going to be a rock star. Like, don't worry about me. I won't, I don't, even now, I think every day is a gift. I'm like, I can't believe I made it this long. Like, this is right. amazing. Even huh. though I did no drugs. 
You've never tried any drugs? No, I have no interest in drugs at all. Never even smoked pot? No. Wow. Alcohol, though? Alcohol, I've had plenty of. Plenty of. Okay. <laughs> I'm not well, a big counts. drinker. At this point in my life, I pretty much will only drink if it's really good liquor uh-huh. or book club. Or book club? Yeah, I drink at book club. Oh, at a book club. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I'm in a book club. Right. And I drink there. Okay. But like, I'll drink at a wedding. I'll drink for special occasions. But I don't, I don't like being hungover ever. Yeah, it's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't enjoy it. So I don't enjoy the taste of alcohol enough to suffer the consequences. Unless it's like super high level. Yeah, then I'll do it. Sometimes I'll do it even if I don't feel like drinking. If it's like good enough, I'll be like, yeah, I'll try that. Yeah, if someone breaks out a bottle like Blue Label, you're I like, well, I'm going to have to. I had that last night at Jerry's. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> just a sip though. I was like, I just yeah. want a sip. Blue Label's amazing. Just want to taste it. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, What's your book club about? What, do you, what Is there a theme? Like, There's each, each month is a the person who's hosting picks the book. Okay. And, and it could that, be anything. It could be any book she wants. Okay. And then she makes dinner for everyone. Everyone brings over a bottle of wine. Okay. And we discuss the book sometimes. How often do you do you meet once a week? Once a month. Once a month. Yes. And do you read the whole book in that month? I usually do. Occasionally there's something that comes up, but I try to. So you only really talk about the book once. Yes. Okay. I've always wondered this about book clubs. If it's like, hey, everyone get to chapter six. Well, so if you have a month, there's no way you can't. Actually, can. we've split up a book between two months because it's so long. It's like 900 pages. So we What's like, the book? The Boys in the Boat. Okay. I've never heard of it. It's so far pretty good. Mm-hmm. I have the rest of it left. Still, right. By like next Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> I thought book clubs were like, you met like once a week and you're like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. Not like you read the book and then you talked about it. Well, I think you can have that if you live in like the suburbs on a cul-de-sac. Right. Right. But it's L.A. How could we possibly get 15 girls together? Oh, that's Monday a lot night? of people. I imagined it would be five, six. Yeah. If I had a book club, six people. Oh, yeah. No, I think there's probably just no real rules to a book. They can just be no anything rules. you want. You could go, we're meeting weekly. Everyone read a book a week, book a month. Or like we're read a book a month, but every week we'll meet and talk about it as it progresses. It could be like literally whatever you want, I think. Fair enough. I think so. Because I don't know. I've never heard of like there being set rules. It's just really important. So for happiness sake, back to therapy for a hot minute. Sure. For happiness sake, <laughs> the just being in the habit of getting together with the same people yeah. improves your happiness by so much. It's really sort of unbelievable. Looking forward to it, getting excited about it. Having like, so if it's a book club and it's once a month, you're remembering it throughout the month as you're reading. So it's not even like it's just that one day of the month and then you're calling to organize the club. You know, so there's a lot, it, it encourages a lot of social interaction, which yeah. is awesome. I'd plan my outfit, stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Your book club outfit. Well, you just be like, I'm going to see everybody we're going to talk about. I may dress in the theme of the book. I'm going to wear a new pin to book club. Yeah, like, see? I would wear, like, maybe I'd dress up. Oh, that's up, the one, yeah. Okay. I'd dress up as, like, a secondary character, see if anyone noticed. Yeah. Oh, that's that fun. So, you know what? I hope that everyone notices when you do that. Yeah, they'd be like, look at this guy with the scarf. <laughs> like, how, they, you know. Yeah. How long have you been, how long have you had this book club going? Since I moved here. A little over four years. Okay. So it's mostly the same women. We've had some add-ons. A couple people have dropped out. But for the most part, it's the same That's group. really cool. You don't see that a lot. There's like we've had a thing going, whether it's a book club or whatever, for years that we meet once a month for four years. Who the fuck does that? Did you start it with strangers or were there people you knew here already? So my girlfriend Angela and I actually joined a book club of some friends of hers and it didn't go super well, mostly because I think they didn't really like me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, why? Why do you think that? Well, I know why. It's because Carlini went out with some girl randomly who was in the book club, and she was complaining about how some guy didn't call her, and his name was Mark with a C. And I was like, "Huh, that's funny. I know a guy named Mark <laughs> with a C who probably didn't call you." Fucking Carlini. And so we texted him to see if it was the same guy, and of course it was. And then I got kicked out of the book club. Whoa! So. <laughs> book club drama. So thanks, Mark. <laughs> Which, by the with way, that's the whole point of book clubs is that there's supposed to be no drama. Well, the so book club, right? It's supposed to be fun and girls and so Angela said it also to be fair Angela was also making a lot of rules about what she wanted to do in book club and I said between all the girls hating me and you wanting to change all the rules maybe we should just have our own book club right so we did that we started it defected yeah we defected from one and we started our own and and it's really grown in the past four years that's really cool yeah can you think of anything that your friends do that has been going on for like three years four years no. Me neither. Nothing. Like even I remember. Well, I mean, what about like a, a fantasy football league? I don't watch I sports. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't really yeah. care for sports. I mean, that's I, sort of like guys' book club, right? Yeah. I for would, like I the two like years to. I did it, I would like like on Sundays we'd watch at Jerry's house and like keep track of our stats. But I stopped being in the league. I want to join a book club. I got to find. You could start your own. I could. <laughs> do you want it to be just you don't dudes? want to be in charge do you want it to be co-ed like what uh, yeah you, i don't you want to sign someone else to be in charge of it you just have to start it's it up. true just get a couple people together i'd like to just join an existing one can't join mine it's girls only no no i know uh <laughs> that was clear because you, oh, you only reference she's um but like i would kind of want to do it with maybe people i didn't know too because it would just introduce you to a lot of so how we started it was we each invited someone and invited them to invite someone Oh. That we didn't know. Okay. So we we essentially did that. Yeah, I feel like I'd want to do it with yeah strangers because if I started my own, let's say, it would be all, a lot of my friends with like minded you know interests and stuff. So I would want to join one where it's like I would have never thought to read that book or like your right. views on this are interesting and different than mine. You would like, I think you just learn more that way, you know. Yeah, I think. As so. opposed to just like preaching to the choir and stuff. So. Um, but yeah, that's something like I feel like things like that will kind of start taking off in popularity a little more now when people start needing some sort of like human outlet, you know. Like Remember I, when we were trying to find things to do and there's that site meetup meetup dot yeah. I worry about murderers with that too. It is yeah. a great idea. But I just theory. mean the the book club stuff was always sold out. It was like no space available. Oh. Yeah. All that, all like the kind of like re- that stuff was always full. I really like the ones that revolve around restaurants because mm-hmm. those feel the safest when it's like, hey, there's this new restaurant. Let's all go try it. With mm-hmm. like, you can sign up for certain sites where you yeah. eat with random strangers. They had, I think that's pretty cool. They had one of those one night at the comedy store. There were like a bunch of people. Like I was literally, I found out on stage. I was like doing crowd work. And I was like, where are you? It was like this big group. I'm like, is this like a birthday party or a bachelorette party? And like, no, it's a meetup. And at the time, I was like, oh, what is that? And they're like, we well, all went to Meetup and then showed up. I'm like, why do you keep saying that? What does that mean? <laughs> and they're like, it's a website where you can go sign up and look for people with like-minded interests and do stuff. I'm like, you guys all signed up to go to a comedy club together? And then they all met out front, said hi, all had like a couple drinks before the show started. Cool. And then all came in and watched comedy. And then when they were all done, they went outside, hung out a little more, talked about the show. All went their separate ways. I really ways. like that because it's fun and it's safe. Yeah. I like the public place aspect yeah. of it. 
They have it for hiking. There's like an archery one. Hiking is a murder one. Don't do that. (laughs) Do you think murders are that common? Were you going to say archery? Yeah, like weird. It's really dangerous to go do archery with strangers. Have you met the kind of guys that are into archery? They are safe. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So long as they're not the person breaking in. They use words like damsel. (laughs) Not listen, bitch. They say milady a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And they're wearing tights. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. my sight. Right, no one right. no one hikes up tights and then kills someone. <laughs> Unless yeah. they're a supervillain. Right. So when did you get into like uh the VH one thing? Almost four years ago. It was okay. right when I moved here. Uh I had actually I went I was planning to work at the Equinox gym and and audition for commercials. That was okay. my life plan. And so is that after you went to Grad school. Yeah. So after I went to grad school and I worked at, at the hospital in Connecticut, mm. I was totally burnt out. I was like, I'm never going to be a therapist again. Like, th- there's too much. People are really depressed. I couldn't take it. You were already done with the whole lounge singer rock star. Like, that, that so thing was. So the lounge singing was in Manhattan. And actually, the reason I became a therapist was because it was the 90s in the village and a lot of people were on heroin. And I was making a living, but I wasn't killing it. And I thought I should go back to grad school and, like, you know, make a career for myself. What could I do? And I was like, everyone's on drugs. I should, I should help people on drugs. So my original plan was like, go work in a rehab. So I went to grad school. I came back and worked in a rehab. And I was like, this is horrifying. Like people are not getting better from drugs. Mostly, I think, because of our policies in the country about drugs uh-huh. and surrounding them and the complete lack of support that we have for drug addicts and the way that we treat them as criminals, etc. But... So I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't take it. It was too much. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to move to California and relax, audition for commercials, and work at the Equinox gym. Then I went skydiving and broke my tailbone on the landing. Oh. Couldn't work at the Equinox gym. Damn. So I went on Craigslist. I was looking for like therapy, short-term therapy gigs, because there are a lot of those. And one of them said, we need someone in a month, for a month, psych therapist specifically, which is totally my jam. Mm-hmm. I sent my resume in, and they wrote back, can we see a picture? And I wrote back, fuck no. Very L.A. Like, what do you need to see a picture for a psych therapist for? And then they called me because, of course, I sent them my resume with my phone number on it and said, this is actually for a show. And we need to make sure we've already seen your picture. We need to make sure it's current. And I was just like, "Okay, I guess. And they (laughs) said, this is a legitimate production company. This is a Craigslist murder. Like, I already know this. I'm getting murdered. And a real fear about getting killed. How could you not? (laughs) So many people get murdered in our country every day. Like, I, mean, I feel like more people don't get murdered in our country. That's factually accurate, but yeah, I don't think it's Statistically, the numbers helpful. are lower yeah. now than they've ever Violence been. Violence is at an all-time low. Across the not. board. Yeah. It definitely is. Murders in L.A. especially, lower than they've been in ever. ever. They actually spiked this year, but they're over, overall still lower than normal. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I'd like to avoid it. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah me, totally. look, me too. Yeah. I'm not like putting myself in situations like, oh, hopefully I get killed here. <laughs> right. But so that's what I'm saying. Come on Craigslist and they're like, yeah, come on over to our production company that you found on Craigslist. No thanks. Yeah. So I said, can I bring a friend? And they were like, yeah, sure. Bring can he be a cop? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had a it's friend a in German the car shepherd. when I went in. And, yeah. and, and then a couple months later, we started filming and six seasons later. It's so fun. So did you have any ethical qualms about like doing therapy on television and having that be kind of turned into entertainment or well so the thing is is that none of the people on the show are my actual clients in real life they they sign up to be on television for therapy okay so it's very upfront there's no trick 
you know you're filmed all the time. You know there's cameras all over the house. I think that most of the people are found through casting anyway. Mm-hmm. So they're, it's very apparent. So ethically, it's not an issue because they've signed up for that. Okay. I would have had a huge issue if any of it had been like a trick or a secret <laughs> right. or any of that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, when I used to watch uh, Celebrity Rehab. It's, jo- the, same, so it's the same production company. That show made me want to vomit all over my television. Because? Th- because they were like, you know, these people. And yes, they were there voluntarily, but it felt like... A lot of them weren't really there to get help, and if they were, they were like being. I feel like the cameras and the entertainment value was kind of sidetracking whatever progress they could have made, and none of them were dragged be. in there it against can be, their but will. The thing is, is that without that show, they probably wouldn't have been getting any help. So, if you think of it from that angle, it's a little bit better. Why wouldn't they have gotten help? Because a lot of the times they're willing to go into rehab quote unquote because they're getting essentially getting paid or they're paying for their treatment or whatever it is whereas so a lot of people there was a backlash against dr drew saying like oh he was responsible for the deaths of a couple of people who've committed suicide or had drug overdoses since then Uh but the fact is is that that show probably kept them alive a lot longer than they might have been otherwise because the kind of rehab they were going to go to would have been a hundred grand and they didn't have that exactly right or they wouldn't be going anyway right and so with our show, there's a similar sentiment of, yes, these are people who obviously want to be on television mm. and don't mind the whole world knowing all their issues. But sure. the whole world probably knows them already. You know, like they're, they're a lo- I don't think that there's so many secrets coming out. I think that yeah. it's just a platform for them to come out at the same time. But a lot of the stuff is already known information okay, yeah. that the public knows. So it actually gives them the platform to explain how that came to be as opposed mm. to just letting it float out there. You know, with for people to think whatever they whatever they want to, however they they thought it came up. Do you right. have to be more careful in how you talk to the your TV patients than your normal patients because you're not in control of the editing. I would say it's actually the opposite for me. I'm much more careful with my daily clients because I'm I'm sure that they're there for the right reason. Right. Whereas the people who are there for television, it, it's split. Some people come for the right reasons. Some people come for the for the television time. Some mm-hmm. people come for the drama, you know, whatever, whatever their or the money, whatever their reasons are. Um, I certainly wouldn't want to be. You can't get misquoted. Is the thing. It's really the editing is the concern. Is like for instance, season one we had DMX on, yeah. and for for six weeks in a row, I think they showed him crying. And it was a, it was one clip of him crying. Yeah. But it was just like that. It lo- he looked like a huge crybaby. And really he cried over like a really emotional event that happened with his mom. And they just played it over and over and over and over again. So it was like DMX <laughs> is crying on couples therapy again. Yeah. Right, 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 right. But really it was like he, he had one really mm-hmm. tough night where it was emotionally draining. And yeah. so we can't show anything that you didn't actually do or say. But they could cut it and make it move stuff around and make it look like you said something in reply to something that you didn't. If you shoot they enough could. footage, you can create whatever story you want. I mean, have it's, you had instances where you're like, uh, I didn't say it like that. I haven't. But okay. I also think that it doesn't behoove them to have the therapist look like they're doing a bad job. I don't so think so much to make you look like you're doing a bad job, but make... You know, they're in the business of looking, making the patients look as dramatic and interesting as possible. Yes. Yeah. So 
they could make I, I, I could see you being like, that's not really how that happened. But you know what it's in service of. I would think that it's less that and more of like cutting something off before it resolves and then leaving everyone with that for the rest of the week. Yeah. Until the next episode. That's probably more of an issue of like, whoa, that actually got resolved pretty quickly. But you guys have to wait a week to see it. Yeah. So that's more of a concern than any sort of like word splicing. Has it made people seek you out as a private therapist more? Men. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you'd already cut men off as clients before that anyway. Yes. So. That's so funny. Does it hurt the (laughs) female? Does it make females less likely? No, but they see your picture on your site anyways. Yeah. No, I think it's the same halo effect of because. So when I try to find myself a therapist. I don't want someone who looks like a disaster. I want someone who looks like she's figured everything <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. You know, and so when I actually put up, I'm also on a site called therapic.com where you can watch a video of the therapist talking about her practice. And I watched my video and then I sent it out to a couple of people for a survey of like, would you go see this therapist? Random selection, 10 people. Five of them wrote back yes, five of them wrote back no. And I was like, 50% of women will not come see me. What's going on? I need more information. Yeah. Turns out that a lot of people feel like much too intimidated to go see someone who looks too well put together. Like that person might be judging her. Yeah. This is right. the feedback I got from the survey. I, I, I was shocked. That. Because for me, I was like, no, I want the most well put together, maybe dripping in diamonds, some small children around her feet. Like that's right. who I yeah. want to go see because that chick worked it out. Yeah. Um, and, and other people feel like I don't want someone who's sitting there like I have it all figured out. You're a disaster. So they want someone who's a little bit disastery so that they feel better about themselves, which I find wild, but it is a, it's a thing. I don't remember if I looked, saw a picture of my therapist first. I don't think I did. Well, therapic.com is actually the best way to get a little, because imagine if you were just calling random therapists and you didn't have like a referral from a friend or like yeah. this person's good. You're just searching. And a lot of people are doing that. They're just looking for themselves. They maybe don't want to tell anyone. Mm-hmm. They don't want to ask anyone's advice. And so you could go to three or four people before you find someone where you're like, yes, I think this person can help me. Right. Whereas if you watch a video that's one minute long, you can eliminate a lot of no's. Where you're just like, that person's not going to work for me. I'm not going to believe anything that person says. Yeah. Or I don't think that's the type of therapy that'll help me. Yeah. I mean, I got a referral. So yeah. I wasn't blind. But yeah, the bl- the the just looking people up thing. Because, you know, they give you those lists in your insurance. Like, right. here are the people that are covered. That what? And when you try and compare those to something like psychology today, a lot of those people who are covered are not even on there. Yeah. And you're like, is this person really a therapist? Does anyone know who this also, is? Also so random. Like, so, hi, I have all these problems. <laughs> it just seems like I don't know biggest, if you're good at fixing them, but maybe. yeah, the biggest crapshoot ever. But so when you see the video, I feel like you have a much better example of whether or not the person might be able. It's not a yes. You're not like, yes, this is definitely my person. You still have to go f- make sure that, that it wasn't just an awesome video. <laughs> but <laughs> but you can eliminate a lot of definite no's. Right. So what's your favorite dysfunction to work <laughs> work on? I love you're anxiety. Like, you're like, yes. Yeah. Really? The more anxious, the better. Why? <laughs> Come on in. I have so much anxiety. It's so treatable. Oh, okay. That's yeah. good. And so. Or I is really it like, shit? What do I do? All right. <laughs> Except for Nick. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let me check my phone. Everyone else's anxiety <laughs> is totally treatable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's very fun for me to watch people improve. 
I'm a very solution focused therapist. Some people are like, oh, I just let them talk. I don't. I, when they come in, I say, I only take, I take fewer than 10% of people who come to me. And really? They, yes, because they need to be work ready. They need to be solution focused. And if they're not, I'll refer them to someone great. That's great. So I don't, I don't want someone who's coming in and not doing the work. Yeah. I that want just people. wants to like complain and not right. really solve anything. You want to complain about it? Let's fix it. Yeah. And so if you don't appear ready for that, I'll say, you know, I don't think I'm the best therapist for you. Let me refer you to a couple of my colleagues. I'm sure you'll like one of yeah. these. Who are more chaos focused. They <laughs> just want you to. <laughs> we just want to let you do whatever yeah. you want. Just bounce off. They padded walls so you yeah. can just, you know. Never solve the Rubik's Cube, this therapist. Yeah. Just looks at it. Look at those pretty colors. Yeah. A lot of extra vases you can break. Just unfinished jigsaw <laughs> puzzles all over the office. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so when people come in and they, and they are functioning, but highly anxious, that's actually my favorite because it's the, it's the most treatable. It's, it's the most fun to watch them improve because they come in and they're excited because they're not as anxious about things. Can you write prescriptions for stuff? I do not. No. You're not allowed to, or you don't do it? No, I'm not a psychiatrist. So psychiatrists can do that. I don't know the difference between any, like therapist, psychiatrist, psychologist. I work with a referring psychiatrist. So I have two different ones depending on who I think is a better fit for the client. Got it. And I send them if they, I try to do low medicine. Yeah, Cause that was, that's why I asked yeah, if you were so, one of those people that's like, get them on meds. No. Okay. Um, I think you should take medication. If you are contemplating suicide, absolutely mm-hmm. get on medication Yeah, because you need to give yourself the space to be able to work on those issues and feel safe doing it. Uh, and if you are, a lot of people come to me already on a lot of medication. So I ask them, do you want to stay on this medication? Do you want to up your medication? Do you want to try to wean off the medication? Because I don't think people should be on medication for more than six months if it's preventable. I think if you need it, you should be taking it. But if you don't need it, you should be trying to get off of it. Okay. And so I think that we live in a terribly overprescribed country. And there are a lot of people taking a lot of drugs that are really dangerous. Even, and not just psych drugs, like... Prilosec is really dangerous to take for more than six months. What does that one do? It's like an acid medicine. Oh, yeah, I've taken that. But yeah. not like, you know, but when I daily. needed it. So yeah. it is actually technically a daily, and people go on it for years, and it ruins their insides. That's crazy. Because there just isn't enough knowledge about future side effects of drugs. And yeah. our pharmaceutical industry is basically like, everything's pretty safe. Right. That's absolutely not true. Yeah, when I had acid reflex problems on that i just changed my fucking diet right and then didn't have to take drugs for right. it you can go to a naturopath and you can fix that stuff in like three months yeah and so it's really amazing how over prescribed we are another big one is add medication it's meth you're taking meth so if you want to be on meth great have at it but if you don't you have to figure out a way to get off yeah adderall is like insane yeah it's myth. That's all it is. And what happens is, especially with women, there's been a huge increase because it was traditionally a young boy medication that men then continue taking into adulthood mm-hmm. and continue to have problems with taking it for so long. But women, adult women have been taking it a lot lately and they've been having crazy paranoia because it causes meth side effects, mm-hmm. which are so essentially if you use cocaine, you get government paranoia, like the government's against you. The police are after you. Et right. When you use methamphetamines, you get family paranoia. This really? Is, it's not always, but it's the majority of the time. So you can usually tell if there's a, especially women who are on Adderall or Ritalin that if they start to say like if they're taking too much or they've been on it too long, 
they start to say things like they think their husband's against them or their uncle's doing this or, and you're like, what are you talking about? And it's, it's meth paranoia. Wow. So got to get off. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I've always been back and forth on, on, on medication because sometimes I feel like I should be on anti-anxiety medication or whatever but then I don't know because I've never like, spent any time in like therapy trying to figure that out which I think I should but I'm, I'm always like I used to think this way more where I'm like I don't want to be on medication because it'll alter the way I like I am generally like I'm all about medication fixing some sort of like right. whatever suicidal thoughts I have mm-hmm. or whatever but I don't want it to like change my overall demeanor and personality because what if it takes away from how creative I am and my outlook on the world and all that in the other ways that where I don't have problems. But also, on a thing that may not be as important to you right now but should be, it changes your pheromones mm-hmm. and your scent when you take medication. Really? How? So it, it alters the chemistry, the chemical makeup of your body. Whoa. And so if you are dating... Uh-huh. And you are, I don't know if you experience this, but if you make out with a woman and she tastes absolutely delicious or she smells kind of gross to you, even though she's totally hygienically clean, yeah, that's your body telling you that biologically or genetically this is or is not a good match. Right. And when either one of you is on medication, it alters that. So you don't have as clear of a picture biologically if it's a good match or not. Wow. It really messes with your pheromones, even but, birth control. Right. So, but Okay. That still kind of makes things confusing because what if you're like, you're hooking up with a girl who like smells great. You're just like, and she tastes like candy or whatever, but then she's a lunatic. She might be, she might be diabetic if she tastes like candy. Right, yeah. <laughs> but she's like a crazy person. Right. But then what if you're like, she gets on medication and then she doesn't smell great, but she's like way more reasonable and you can like date her. Like then what do you do? Right. I mean, that, and also and, what does that mean? Bi- good biological match. So traditionally it's, said that if someone tastes and smells really delicious to you, that you will most likely have healthy children. So that's whether or not that is the full range of it or if it's, but that's why when you, so initially I think most of the studies were done with like, why aren't you attracted to your siblings of opposite sex? And it's usually a smell thing. Like your siblings smell really gross to you. And it's a biological thing of you would not have healthy children with your siblings. Oh, wow. So that's, I think, how a lot of the research began but they've done amazing things with like smelling worn t-shirts and uh which ones and and when you smell the worn t-shirt like if you put a woman in a room with a bunch of t-shirts she can pick the guy she'll like the most based on the smell of the used t-shirts did did, did masters and they did that on the on masters of sex this year Mm -hmm. where they had me on a bicycle sweating and they had women smell it it's hilarious. Who won? I, I don't know. They all, I think they were all like, Ugh! they were all repulsed. <laughs> Every single one was like, no thanks. <laughs> but like, I wondered if, the, I wonder if they developed, if they were the first ones to do that. If Masters and Johnson were the ones. I wonder how that. easy that is too, for like to find a biological match in the modern world, because there is like no, you're constantly masking your natural scent anyway. With so, like yes. Detergents and fabric softeners and colognes and deodorants and all that. So the great thing about that is that it, it actually transfers to those scents a lot of the time. So when you, if a girl has on like a terrible perfume and yeah. she loves it, it's her favorite thing. And you're like, that smells so bad. Yeah. You're probably not a match uh. because she is attracted to that scent and that scent repulses you. Right. So her pheromone makeup thinks that that smells good. 
Oh. So it's always really important. Like if you meet someone new and you're like, God, oh, that girl's so pretty, but I don't really like the way she smells. You, you say like, did somebody give you that perfume or did you pick it? Right. Because if it was a gift and she's just wearing it because she feels bad about it and she doesn't actually like the smell of it, mm-hmm. then she might be willing to change it. But if it's like, this is what I smell like. My whole house smells like this. It's my favorite scent ever. And you're like, it is disgusting. So it's Get an extension of, of her pheromones. Exactly. Right. Okay. Do you mm-hmm. think being a good biological match is the only reason? Because you say... By being a, a a strong biological match, match means you'll have healthy children. What about two people that don't want to have children? That's a totally fair question. But I do think that, so for instance, if you don't have that initial attraction and that initial like, this person smells really great to me, I think that you have a much more difficult time later when you start arguing. <laughs> So when a woman walks into a room and you say, wow, she is stunning. Like that chick is so hot. I just want to hang out with her. I want to get to know her better, whatever. And then she says like, yeah, I think you're really attractive too. Let's go on some dates and see how it goes. And then you guys decide you're going to get in a relationship. And then the fights begin, right? Because people fight in relationships. Yeah. And if you don't have that initial memory bonding you to that person, your fight or flight is going to be much different. So if you can say like, oh, we're fighting right now, but man, I can still remember the first day she walked into the room. She looks right. so beautiful. Like, it's worth it. I can get through this, right? Or if you're like, well, when we make out, the taste of the inside of her mouth is the greatest thing in the entire world. Like, I'll get through whatever it is. If you're missing both of those things, it's going to be really difficult for you to fight through the fights because you're going to be like, what am I sticking around for? I didn't think you were that good looking in the first place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Wow. <laughs> you never really put that much thought into something like that when you're like, when you meet someone, you know? I mean, people, compl- you know, when I've heard people complain about like, oh, so that person only cares about looks. It's like, well, initially, your initial attraction to someone is a thing where later on when things are not maybe as exciting or fun, you're like, yeah, but I still am really attracted to them. And I remember it is like a memory thing. Well, and that's the other thing is I have a lot of women who come in and they've been dating someone for a little while. And they'll say, like, I just don't know if he finds you attractive. And I'm like, let me assure you he does or he wouldn't have dated you for this long. Like guys tend to date based on initial attraction. And then if you show that you're cool going forward, you may, you know, create extra additional interest. But most guys don't pursue at all someone to whom they don't have that initial attraction yeah so that's that shouldn't be and i think girls are the same although girls are a little better at like oh we became friends and like i I became really attracted to him then do you think women are more likely to get into the wrong relationships because they're taught to compromise more than men are definitely yeah yes i think that from a young age, I think that women are taught, like, find a guy who's nice and treats you well. It's okay if you're not as attracted to him. Yeah. And guys are not taught that. No. <laughs> no. They're like, get the hottest chick. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know tons of women, they're always like, oh, he was the worst. I dated this guy. He sucked. Like, they're always like, he turned out to be a psychopath. And in my head, I'm always like, did you not have any sense? But the, I think the criteria is forced upon them in a different way. Yeah, Like, sure. smart, funny, stable, successful, whatever. Yeah. And, like... And if he's tall and good looking, great also. But right. like it's the other stuff that I don't think is, well, I don't know how instinctual it is. Well, I do think that there should still be a base level of attraction. Like I think that if you know instantly that you're not attracted to someone, you should try not to pursue it even if the other person is pursuing it. Just because, again, with the, when you start fighting, a great, for instance, is women tend to date 
a little bit down looks wise a right. lot of the time. And then when the guy breaks up with them, they're like, I didn't even want to date him in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's it's a, it's a, because a lot of guys also that are a little less attractive have a lot of tricks about how they're it's called um, soft boy. Have you heard of that? That's soft like, boy? Yeah. Soft boy is when you like, you're not as good looking as like a hot dude. So you have a bag of tricks that are like, I'm really emotionally available or like, I can oh, yeah, totally. my feelings or like all yeah, these, yeah, yeah, yeah. all these sort of things. Right. And so the girl gets sort of entranced in that and she's like, oh, you know, he's not as good looking as the guys I usually date, but he really likes me and he talks about his feelings and I'm really into that right now. And then, right. and then <laughs> the guy breaks up with her probably because the whole time he's felt insecure that she was too good looking for him anyway, right? And then she's like, I can't believe this guy broke up with me after he pursued me so hard. Yeah. And now I'm really depressed because I didn't even think he was good looking enough to go out with in the first place. <laughs> right. And it happens. It's just like a new, a new wave of of a player but it's like instead of being like the hot because you can see a player now right so you get to a certain age and you're like oh well, this guy's really hot he's definitely a player i know these tricks right but like soft boy is just a lot more subtle where you're like not expect you're not anticipating the tricks you're like oh my god this guy's so open and he just like wants to love me it's like the lecherous nerd yeah that's yeah. exactly what it is it's to like make you a playlist be super uh-huh. sensitive like that kind of stuff but they just do it it only lasts a short amount of time. They Isn't that just what, like the modern man now, though, well, where they're just more sensitive and they listen and they're like, you know, more, more like, uh, um, like feminist, I guess, for lack of a better term or something like that. I I think that it has <clears throat> gone in that direction, certainly. But yeah. I think that there's still a solid level of trickiness going on. Right. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can, I can see like, that. It doesn't need to be a trick. You can pretty much be super upfront about how you feel or what you want or what you're into. And then uh-huh. the other person gets to decide whether or not she is agrees with those things or wants to do those things. Yeah. It's like a very con- you can have a very consenting relationship, whether it's casual or committed or whatever it is, so long as the terms are upfront. The place where it gets super tricky, particularly with like dating in your 20s and 30s in a city, mm. is that there's a lot of crazy lying going on. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. really, really <laughs> crazy lying where people say like, I'm a rocket scientist and I work for NASA. And then like, like there's a the great example of it is the character of Barney from How I Met Your Mother. Right. And... So he's like constantly got a scam going. There's constantly, yeah. some, you know, and it's all lies. And like... <laughs> right. That's pretty rapey. You know, like if you're if you're lying to a woman to get her into bed, it's she's consenting to having sex with the person she thinks you are. Right. Not the person you're you almost, actually you're are. You're roofing her with facts. Right. Like you're just it's just a trick. So like do you want to be that dude who tricks women into having sex with you or do you want to be that dude who maybe has a little bit less sex but like the girls actually want to do it? Yeah. I always found that really gross to like so gross. like lie, like lie about who you are as like yeah a total yeah. person i just would always look for girls who were just as slutty as i was <laughs> you know what i mean i mean that seems fair it totally is because you're yeah. like you don't want to date me and i don't want to date you but we both have urges as humans okay and we just want the same thing great let's do that so you don't have any interest in being in a monogamous relationship like right now yeah no 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 not right now Okay. No. I just don't have it emotionally in me right now. Do you think that if you met the right person, you would? 
Oh yeah, that's every relationship I've ever been in. Where I st- I sit there and I go, I will never date again, and then I go, I love her. Like it, that's just how it works. <laughs> but do you think that your list of things that you want doesn't match your list of things that you date? And Wait, that's maybe why. You- say, ask that again. <laughs> So I find that when people say that they would actually be in a monogamous relationship if they met the right person, yeah. right? But they're not and they haven't. It's mostly because the things that they say they want are not actually the things that they try and date. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's when a I, discrepancy between what you want and what you do. Yeah, yeah. When I was younger, I had a lot uh, I had a harder time understanding that where I was like I want to date this kind of you know person because you think that that's what you want to be with or whatever but a lot of times that would be like really boring you know where I would I'd be like I need you know like I want a girl that's like this that this and that and then you're just like that's what I just kind of thought that I wanted you know and that ends up being like boring and then I don't want to be in the relationship like I get bored really easily with everything you know what I mean so I've always like I've just over the years kind of have figured out I need like a little bit from, you know, column A and a little bit from column B because you don't want like <laughs> like uh, that sounds like a weird way to put it. But like if I'm just out there trying to like hook up with people, it's like I, my list of things that like the girl needs to be is like not nearly as like long because you're not dating each other. You're not spending a lot of time together. And- OK, but what if you then developed feelings for that person? Um, then you're stuck with a chick that you that didn't measure up and you're like well i've developed feelings so this is gonna happen for a little while i've never really done that with someone that's like if we're just hooking up we're like let's just be like hookup buddies or whatever it is it never really gets to that because we don't really spend like time together as if we're dating you know so and that doesn't get that line doesn't get blurred not really because i like i will have figured that out kind of early on where i'll be like that's not the kind of girl i would date for whatever reasons like she's not smart enough or like her style's awful or like her you know her views on on people and politics how she treats others is not the kind of person i would want to like you know have you know as as a companion you know right and then there's the other end of that what makes that person the type of person that you do want to hang out with late night it's that's just strictly a physical thing it goes back to that like there's just something about like being near her in a sexual way where it's like i gotta be all over her physically okay and i don't know why that is there's some no i know why it is (laughs) why please tell me (laughs) Uh, no it's just that you have a very very extreme fear of intimacy you're literally f- being okay. intimate with things you don't like or respect on purpose to avoid doing it with someone you do. Be, when I when I was younger, abs one hundred percent intimacy was just like get it away from me, you know, whatever. Yeah. But over the years, I've been in serious monogamous relationships with girls I love and care about and treat amazingly because they're I I. I'm attracted to them. I respect them as people and I want to be with them more than I want to be single and just sleeping around avoiding feelings or any of that stuff. So I've had both, but like when I'm, when Why I leave, do you not find those women sexually compelling enough. Some, no, some I have, but like sometimes it's just the, the personality. There's the, there isn't like this like electric kind of like magnetic thing where it's like i'm so drawn to you i need to be around you like all the time there there it is it's there initially and then it kind of like maybe will wear off after a while i mean like a year or, or whatever 
That's pretty standard though for anything. Yeah, I think so. But I'm just I'm very careful. Like I'm not I'm not one of those people that just like says I love you right away and gets into like a, I'm not one of those always in a relationship guy. I'm afraid to be alone or I'm afraid, you know or just dates women that like I know there's a it's like a ticking time bomb where I'm like I deep down know she's bad for me but I'm going to date her for a while because it's better than nothing or better than being alone and then having it explode at the end I'd rather not do that I'd rather not lie to people or lie to myself I'd rather just be alone and find someone who's fucking awesome and then date them because when I do I, I I try and do it right you know I, I'm not like an asshole I don't like arguing I like treating people well I, th- I feel like i do that with my friends and and everyone else you know i'm not like a shitty person i as far as i i, I know you know who the hell can judge themselves like you know objectively kevin is he a shitty person no. <laughs> right um but um but yeah i used to have more of a fear of intimacy for sure you know i would avoid all that stuff but when i look at like the way my life was going i'm like I don't want to be that dude who's like 40 and single and hooking up with a 27 year olds. That's gross and sad. So I had to teach myself like over the years, like why are you afraid of that girl? Is it because you think she might be better than you or too good for you? Well then go talk to her. Okay. Go ask her out, go get to know her. So you feel like when you do meet that girl, you do that. Yeah. Okay. And then what happens? Um, I mean, the few times I've done that, it's turned into like we dated for a while and it just kind of like sometimes it, you know, fizzles out because you're like, you know, we did what we could. But like our chemistry, what we have going is not a forever thing. Well, so but it's important to know that pretty much everyone gets bored at the one year mark. That's a relationship plateau. Yeah. Around the clock. Right. Mm. But. If you want to be in something where you do have that person you come home to and you're not 40 dating a 27-year-old, yeah. et cetera, yeah. then you you should probably reevaluate it from the standpoint of like, okay, I understand that it's been a year and I'm a little bored, but am I a little bored because it's boring after a year or is it because this person is actually boring and I can't possibly work it out? Right. And if you're like, actually, this is a great person and she's awesome and I'm just you know being fidgety about it, that's really different from like, it's been a year. I still don't really like you that much. Then you get out. Right. Yeah. I've, I've, I mean, I've examined that with a couple of relationships I've been in where I'm like, is, am I just like, am I not trying? Am I just letting myself go like, well, it's just, we're kind of doing the same thing. Or have I just never been into you that much or, you know, right. and, and this, they've, those have gotten through the one year mark where you're like, I'm bored. Cause I've, been so used to being single for most of my 20s or or whatever but I, i'm not one of those people that like likes to quit on things too so I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if it was like a girl that i really like cared about and was just like i feel bored right now maybe it's not working see ya because then you'd look back and be like well what if that would have been a great thing and like i don't want to you know i would have hurt her for no reason or so i really try and like you know see it through and like really try and go to places where I'm scared to go. Okay. You know what I mean? Because you don't get to do it again. Right. You know, if you have someone where you're like, this is great, but it's, we're having trouble now. We're struggling. We're bored. We're in a rut. Like try and get out of that. Do what you can. And then if you've exhausted all, you know, resources and everything, then it's like, maybe you just weren't meant to like spend the rest of your fucking lives together. 
I mean, I definitely hear people say things like, you know, the person was awesome. She's pretty. She's this. She's this. She's that. But like there just wasn't that thing there. And I worry that a lot of times that thing is like unicorns and rainbows Mm -hmm. where it's like, no, you just might not be ready for it or but it's really unfair to like categorize a woman as like all these things that meet your list and then still not enough. Right. Nobody can win that. And the not enough is that weird mystery feeling that you get from the women who aren't good enough that you that you find yourself attracted to. Yeah, yeah. Because you're not going to ever get someone who has both of those things because they don't coexist. Like that mystery thing is because she doesn't have those other things happening. Right. So, I wonder yeah. if that mystery thing is the fact that you know you're not going to be held emotionally accountable to this person so you can act like a total animal. That's exactly what it is. Bang. Right, right. Kevin, I think you should consider a career change. <laughs> <laughs> it's a You're just like, I get to go full caveman right. for the next hour. Yeah, because yeah, I don't have to worry about this person's feelings or about whether or not I'm going to ever commit to this or if I have to hear about it later. Yeah, I mean, that part's obvious. Like, I mean, But the fact is, is that if you were in a relationship with someone for a few years, mm-hmm. you get to do that again. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like you get there, you get where you could get really fast with someone you're not emotionally invested with. Sure. You can do that a couple of years in and be like, hey, let's, you know, we're bored. Let's try some stuff. Right. And suddenly you get to experience that, but it's actually way safer because you're not worried about accidentally getting feelings because you mm. already have them. And you're not worried about her telling all her friends because you know all her friends and she's never going to tell any of them. Right. And so you. But she's going to tell all of them. Right. That book club. <laughs> yeah, I don't give a shit about First that of all, stuff. She's going to tell all of them. First of right. all, yeah. all her book club friends. <laughs> right. um, yeah, I've never get given a shit about that stuff. Like, I couldn't be more open about all like the weird ass shit I'm into. But like, like what? You name it, I've done it. I don't know. <laughs> my, um, my phone, real quick. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I just tape my phone to my face. <laughs> I'm not here right now. You guys go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't care about that, but like sexual compatibility is kind of hard, you know, when you find someone that like, cause I mean, it sounds very superficial, I think, but like, that's something you're, that's a big part of a, a relationship, I think. Huge. And yeah. if the sex isn't good, it's like, you know, it's going to, it's going to be hard on the relationship, I think. Okay. But so if you're, if good sex is what you're looking for and then couldn't you start things out as casual to see if the sex is good and then mm. if it is good like but still try to start things out as casual with people you might be interested in pursuing as opposed to like definitely not right and then you say like i uh, you know i want to just start things out casually and see how mm. it goes and then if it's awesome you're like yeah let's let's try this yeah that's how they've kind of all gone like any relationship i've been has started off with like let's just casually go out get to know each other and then that usually leads to like you hook up a few times and you hang out, you know, you go out again and then, but if like the sex is good and she's also super cool, you're like, Oh, that's great. Lock this and, down. I better lock it down. Yeah. For and then you, year. you know, you move forward and then you really get to know them more as people and like their values and who they are and how they treat you and themselves and you know, all that stuff and like what ambitions and motivations and goals, which are all super important. You know, I'm not one of those like, it's gotta be rock star sex all the time. That's great and necessary, but so are all those other things. Right. Like you need someone. I, I can't date someone who's lazy and has no ambition. You need to be smart, smarter than me. I need to be like, I mean, not not entertained, but I need to be stimulated. Like I want to be interested. I want to learn things from you, you know? So 
But sometimes it's either like more of one and like not nearly enough of the other, or it's like a lot of, you know, like, wow, we have really awesome chemistry and sex, but like, I don't like hanging out with her. She's not that interesting. You know, I have a hard time finding a good balance of, of both. Everyone does. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's why, and you know, no one marries their high school sweetheart. Like, or we'd all, no one would be single. We'd all figure it out right away, you know? Um, but then there's also just the fucking, my own, you know, well, I think that Bullshit you have to work out your own stuff and then also sort of work within the principle of 80-20, which mm-hmm. is like you're not getting 100% on, in anyone. That's oh, yeah, unicorns yeah. and rainbows. But right. like if you're getting 80% of the things you want from someone, then the 20 is stuff you should be working on anyway. Right. And so that's going to be a pretty su- highly successful relationship. Mm-hmm. The real key, which you don't have a problem with, is that you don't want to get into a 50-50 where you're like, I like 50% of this person. I don't want to be alone, so like, I'll take the other 50%. Right, right, right. You know, you need to have the 80-20. If it dips below 75, it's not your thing. Mm-hmm. And like, maybe don't have sex with it. <laughs> right, right, right. With, don't have sex with it. <laughs> with it. I mean, I do do that a lot. Now that I'm like more of an adult and like I don't have time for that kind of thing. Like, right. I but re- don't you worry that that's that that's disrupting your energy, so that because you're getting sexually satisfied somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. You're not craving that at all, so you're therefore not looking for that in a woman who might have the other things because you've already covered that base. Yes and no, because I'm also not looking to get into a relationship right now. Okay, you know, I'm like, I mean, I've been single now for like a little over a year, but like, um. In in that year, I was like, I need to be alone. I need to like yeah, think. A- I need to sort out, you know, what happened, where I'm going, what kind of, who, who do I want to be with next, how long, my career, being creative, all these things. Like, I need to focus on that. And as I was doing that, it just, it, honestly, what didn't even occur to me really to like go on dates or even go like, oh, I want to get laid. It's just like not as important of a thing. I get more satisfaction about like, moving my life along and my mental health along. You know what I mean? Then so I do you like... You don't go on dates with the casual? No. That's interesting. And I'm very straightforward. Like if, if I meet a girl on wherever, it's like Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. It's like you just they, you can just find each other that way. I'll be like, listen, I'm not I'm not interested in dating or a relationship right now. So if you want to keep sending me naked pictures of whatever uh, feel free but i don't i don't and i'm saying that respectfully because i'm not going to lie to you i'm not going to go yeah we should go out and maybe this here's where i am okay so if you do you like bring food over or anything i mean you like, should let me just tell I'm, you I'm, like <laughs> bring, bring food over look i've hooked up with girls that are like just come over and let's do this okay. or i want to come over and then and then 10 minutes later they're getting dressed and leaving like, they don't care about me either in that way. You know what I mean? That makes me think those girls have boyfriends. <laughs> I mean, I hope not. But, I mean, I don't ask. Again, or they don't really eat. Or they what? Don't eat. Or they don't eat. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd be like, sure, come on over, but bring a sandwich. Right, right, right. Um, but, I mean, I'll be very straightforward. I'll go, like, I don't want to go on dates. I don't have any interest in emotionally investing in anyone. And I also am not too crazy about getting laid right now either so if i'm not going to jump through hoops or do anything i don't want to do and i'm not going to lie to you and pretend so you know where i'm coming from balls in your court you can say thanks goodbye have a great life sometimes they do totally fine with me 
and then we okay. can go move on and do our own things. But then sometimes they're just like, I don't want to date either. I just want to get laid. And I go, okay. And then we can do that and then go home and wake up in our own beds and then go on with our lives. And, you know, that's it. Got it. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it seems a little like, wow, that's like very cold and emotionless. But like you do that in a lot of other arenas in life that like satiate a lot of, you know, whatever problems. Um, and they're quick fix things. But again, I don't plan on being that way my whole life. But like if I'm not looking to get into something serious with somebody, I'm not going to go on dates and lie to people and pretend just to get laid. I'd rather not. But if we live in a culture where there are people that are like, sometimes I want to click a button on an app and just find someone to like make out with or have sex with or whatever, and then get back to my own busy life until I'm ready to go on dates and meet someone. If two of those people can agree on that and do it and then maybe have a sandwich or whatever after and go home. (laughs) Great. I see nothing wrong with it. But if you make it a lifestyle, Right. Then that's I think. Well, I think a problem. therein lies the problem exactly because yeah. if it's if it's what you're doing for now while you work out other things, that's mm-hmm. one thing. But if it becomes too much of a habit, it then becomes very difficult to break out of that habit. Sure. Because you're right now you're getting your having your cake and eating it too. Yeah. And you know you get to do all your work stuff, you get to do all your sex stuff. You don't have any compromise right. happening. And then when you meet someone where you're like, wow, I'd really like to compromise for you a little. You're like, but I don't have to do that in this other. So why can't you fit into this? Mm -hmm. So that's where I could see that. I think the level of narcissism and self-care that people are into, especially me, I think I notice it more here because it's what people are trying to do and what they're taking and the thing they're taking care of themselves and all that shit has made it much harder for people to find people to be in relationships oh with. yeah and there's also a lot of grass is always greener and like i don't want to detach my cart to this horse because i might find a better horse yeah yeah and it's like, the choice problem right and that's true it's possible that there's a better horse but it's also possible that that horse hates you yeah. and like this one really likes you i hate I hate yeah. horse to women <laughs> comparisons <laughs> right. but i think that at some point you you reach in your life where you're like, I'd like to be with someone. I'd like to have a, I'd like to start a life with someone Mm -hmm. and you don't want to have the overarching, like I've been, I've been making sort of selfish decisions and they feel good. Yeah. And so it's harder to then make decisions that are for the betterment of say two people than one when you've been having such a score of just decisions for one. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I, I feel less that way as an adult, Adult, you know, I'm not like I'm not a notch on the bedpost kind of dude where it's like, I could get like Although, I because then it would be lots and lots of different women. Yeah. Which I did that in my 20s. I had right. to like, I was, yeah, I was like, I need I mean, and I'm being honest, like yeah. however awful it sounds like I was like growing up. I was like, I got to prove my manhood. I got I never I didn't lose my virginity. Till I was 19. So I didn't have any confidence as like a guy. I didn't know how to meet women and all this stuff. And I started doing stand up when I was a teenager. So I was thrown into this world of adults, nightclubs, bars, and you're just like, you're figuring it out as you go. And you're trying to figure out who you are as a man. I made a lot of mistakes and hooked up with a lot of people and had a lot of like, you know, stupid situations and stuff. And, um, but I got through all that and I didn't like make it. I know guys my age and older who are still like that. And I look at that and I go like, like I said earlier, I don't want to be the 40-year-old that's like just dating a different 27-year-old to be like, I'm still young. I'm still cool. I'm still a man. I still got testosterone. Like, I don't want to be that guy. Like, right. whether or not I get married ever, but like, 
I want to be someone who's like, you know, has like a good, healthy outlook on life and, a, you know, a career and like, you know, a long term girlfriend or wife or whatever. At some point, that person has a therapist. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Probably. And I mean, I don't knock that, you yeah. know. I, I mean, ev- everyone I know has a therapist or is in AA or is in like NA or Al-Anon or that everybody I know, right. you know, and I, you know, some of the people, you know, go to multiple ones of those. Right. <laughs> um, which is fine. You know? I think as you get older, your empathy increases and it makes that kind of quick fix behavior more attached to guilt. What do you and mean? So, like, at least I found when I was single, the kind of like just hooking up with someone, it got harder for me to justify it in my mind as like. They definitely feel nothing, too. I was like, you know, that's pretty rare. The, like, absolutely, when both people are on the exact same page, is I find, I think that's kind of pretty rare. And a lot of times, one of the people, whether it's the guy or the girl, I don't know, is lying a tiny bit and pretending to be cooler with it than they are. And they're more just like, no, I'll get you. I'll get him. Or I'll get her. I think maybe after a few times, someone. Oh, how many times? Yeah. Three or four. Someone starts to go like. Either they go, oh, I like this person more than I thought, or I like him less and I never want to see him again. Right. But even on the first time, I think everyone is lying to themselves. Yeah. Like, when, there's a little part of me where I go, like, I just want to go get laid. Like, right. I'm lying to myself in the sense that, like, I'm not just doing it because I'm just like, yeah, I got to get laid. A part of me is like... I'm lonely and I want right. like someone to be with well, for a minute and a get little, laid. Right. But I wonder why people can't be a little more honest. Like I am looking for a relationship, but it might not be you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, let's just explore this for a little while and see if we like each other without having it be like a weird game or like mm-hmm. pretending you like the person more or less or whatever it is where you're just like, I like you enough to continue going out with you. I'd like to see how that goes. I feel yeah. like that's a really healthy way to date. I've I think people that. get their feelings hurt by that because because everyone in their heart wants like you're the best. So when they hear like half, like right. you're good enough to hang out with for two more weeks, you're like that sounds that sounds mean. <laughs> like you know what you've got ten days written all over you, and so let's <laughs> let's fuck right. it, and then and then I'm gonna re up you. It's like it doesn't sound romantic, or yeah. it just is. It's a little too. It's like too cerebral. Right, but it's also it's it it's way smarter. Couldn't it be refreshing? We're like, yeah, that sounds like a really healthy way to go into it. Yeah, where it's like it I is d- like healthy, but I think most people then, because of their own anxiety, go the into their own head and go, well, why only two weeks? Yeah, why not forever? Oh. <laughs> and that's where therein lies. The- Kevin, are your next worst nightmare <laughs> as a date? <laughs> but I, think- I mean, most people's dysfunction, I think, is self-generated. And right. so when you don't get exactly what you thought you wanted, right. you then go into your brain and go, how can I turn this seemingly positive thing into a negative? Don't you think that's unhealthy, too, to like over-romanticize every Very. encounter? Oh, totally. Absolutely. Like the Rainbow's Unicorn thing you're yeah. saying? Like, that's insane to it's me. It's totally insane, and, and a lot of people do it. Yeah. Where they're like, I'm totally in on day one. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. how could you be totally in? You have no idea what's behind the Whenever curtain. I hear that, like the next thing they see is a cutout in the wall of my body <laughs> and a smoke trail behind <laughs> it. Like, I'm gone. No, <laughs> yeah. The last person I broke it off with, I hung out with for like a little over two weeks she was like you need to meet my friends and i was like you want to see what's not going to happen right like yeah. there was no reason and that was because mm-hmm. i knew that was 100 percent about her having been single a long time and her friends noticing so she wanted to show that she was dating someone and that look and which is a fucking bummer 
but I was like, I'm not going to be paraded around in something that's not, like just for the sake of you sh- showing your friends you met someone. I was mm-hmm. like, we barely know each other. Yeah, I'm not going to go make a half friendship with nine people at like a a baby shower. Who are going to Facebook you later? Right. Yeah, <laughs> I want to come. Like, we're going to come see you do stand up. Oh God. Like right. it was just not. It so was the, the not thing you're saying though, where, where people should just be more upfront with like, look, I want to date someone, but n- it's probably not you. No, not probably not you. Is that what you said? What did you no. say? <laughs> it might not be you. It might not be you. Oh, uh, okay. well, uh, you're saying on like a date one type thing. Yeah, like I. Well, I just you're think like, just that, so you know. Yeah, like I'm looking yeah. to be in a relationship, but I'm I'm careful about getting into like getting seriously involved mm-hmm. i just think that that's a better look than like any sort of falsehoods right. mistruths or like crazy lies which happen all i hear them all the time women come into my office and they say things that men have said to them and and i like i almost want to laugh except for it's so disheartening because i'm right. like oh honey you know that is a lie right like you know that that man just said that so it was because he thought that was what you wanted to hear and they don't they don't know that. And it's heartbreaking because it's like, I just don't understand why these guys are running around saying these crazy things when the girls are basically like, I'm an adult. I don't know if I'm looking for anything serious. I want to see how it goes. And the guy's just like laying it on thick. I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I think I you could lay it on a little. Just lay on a little. <laughs> Bring some sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> bring some sandwiches, which is fine. You totally should. Yeah. yeah. Like, why wouldn't you bring sandwiches to everything? It does keep it at a very mellow level. You're like, I, look, I didn't bring over, like, shrimp. Right. Yeah. I sandwiches just, or pizza. It's like, who is yeah. upset when there's, like, a delicious turkey sandwich or and a pepperoni pizza? you bring pizza? someone a sandwich and they're like, we're getting married. That person's a fucking psychopath. Right. But also, if they're like, whoa, this is moving way too fast, that's also a psychopath. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Dude, I brought over a sandwich. So let's just hang out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The, I mean, the world is just changing so rapidly with how younger people treat that kind of thing, like dating and, you so know, scary. hooking up. It's because like, they're not learning any sort of skills for when they do find someone with whom they want to spend time. Mm-hmm. So when you when you grow up and exist in just a hookup culture or a hangout culture or or like a group hang, whatever they're doing, yeah. you know, as teenagers, they're not spending time alone. They're not talking on the phone all night. They're not mm-hmm. learning anything about each other. And then when they get to the point where they're like, wow, this is really lonely. If they even get to that, that may be another generation. Right. Like the next generation down, maybe the generation that says this is such a lonely existence. I have people in my life that I know who have said they could have relationships with um, a robot, robotic women. Like if they were real and 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 had the artificial intelligence, right? Like they'd be totally fine with that. And I find that terrifying. They're developing. They're called care robots. Oh God! Have you ever heard of those? No. So they're like. They're developing these robots that like can generate like facial expressions of like sympathy and like excitement. If you say something like, I just got a promotion at work and they'll go, that's amazing. Yeah. I don't know how realistic. Okay, are they now. developing those for autistic kids? Um, I, I'm not sure. Because that would make sense because right. they can mirror imagery of facial expressions. Right, right, right. right yeah. The difficulty is when they use them for sexual things. Yeah, and that's where all technology eventually you know, right. goes. That's kind of where it starts. Like, or we st- have this yeah. new technology. How can we fuck it? Right, right, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Or watch people fucking on it. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
but they're doing them for like uh, nannying purposes and, and things like that. So you can have like caretaker robots that'll like you know watch your kids for a while and like you know or, or play certain games with them or teach them certain things if you're too busy you know because you work from home and you're on your computer so, so you're like care robot will be like you know let's talk about your day and now let's go over vocabulary exercises and all these things which is so scary so scary and there was one study where like this girl was talking to this robot and was upset because the robot didn't understand or or feel excitement for what she was explaining and then she took it personally and was crying and felt bad so the researchers freaked out because not only did the robot not do a good job but they were like we're developing robots and putting them in front of children who are getting upset that this machine is not okay and the other scariest part that just came to mind for me is that the majority of attractiveness develops in your brain by third grade so to whom you're attracted for the rest of your life is determined from birth to age eight or nine. Whoa. So if you're being raised by a robot, yeah. that's what you're going to find sexually stimulating as an adult. You're going to try to, try to, try to fuck your car. vacuum. Yeah, your car <laughs> and your vacuum and the Brita. Damn. That is crazy. So I would be real careful about bringing one of those into your home with kids. That's weird. But a lot of kids now um, are like are doing are going the opposite or they're turning on on technology because they're like all I see is my parents on their cell phones at the dinner table. Well, and, and the blah, thing blah, that's blah. really scary about that is that trend is happening with wealthier kids first, mm-hmm. which means there's going yeah. they're going to break out of it. That's that's common in our society that we tend to emulate what rich people are doing, but the problem is is that. There's the backlash of that is so far behind them. So like, yes, there are kids who are like, we're going to have cell phone free dinner. Right. Mm -hmm. But they're usually very wealthy kids that are like, we're above this. And then they're, they're leaving behind all the other kids who aren't quite as wealthy for years and years and years. Right. And they're going to raise where they're popping right over it. So it's just, it's deepening the divide. Right. Not good. (laughs) Yeah, it seems bad. It's pretty bad. It's really bad. Hey guys, it was so fun coming on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought this why, I always wonder why there's still people do, like why are people still inventing new robots? Right, like stop doing. There's like oh, robots are gonna get us. Like except the only people that want a new robots are the people that build robots. I don't want any more robots. Like there are so many movies about how robots turn bad. Aren't we afraid of that? Yeah, why? They're like. Keep auto- we're gonna have no more jobs when we automate everything. Like there's there's like ten guys who are like let's automate everything. What make them stop? But or, people, the or argument we should start buying robots. The argument is just that the new jobs will be people will you know have to upkeep and maintain the robots who are now building our cars and you know. I don't know if I saw this much robot discussion coming when Sarah came over with sandwiches. I didn't. see. <laughs> right. We've only been talking about robots for two minutes. This is the most, but this is definitely the most yeah. we've talked about robots. I heard Probably. we were going to talk about sandwiches. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> right. I can talk about robots forever. Why don't they just make robots that make sandwiches and that's all they all they do? Great. Do they have those yet? Probably I think not. we could all agree to that. Yeah, that's good. Have you to do th- shit like that. Easily, Subway could become one of those places where just a machine, you just like type it's in what you want. And then it, like, People you are know. sort of robots now. <laughs> yeah. That's totally true. Yeah. Um, Subway would be uh, susceptible to fewer lawsuits if yeah. they only had robots. That's true. Robot spokesperson. Yeah. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But this has been a fascinating conversation. I feel cool. like. Good well, job. thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> yeah, you're sorted sorted through some 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 of our issues. I think. Um, and then, I still think the lounge singer thing was we should have got more into that. Because that came can... from left field. You're like, <laughs> yeah. well, I was a lounge singer for I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, that's like saying I was a carny for a year. Like, see, right? Back up. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's certain professions to me that like when you hear someone does that, you go like, oh, that's what you, you spent the last 10 or 12 years studying for that. And like you've devoted all this Well, I time. went to undergrad for, for jazz and for acting. And oh. so I, I was in a jazz program while I was in school. Okay. And... Side note, fun fact, comedy, what's the, the place where you guys... Comedy store. The comedy store. My uncle was the piano player there for 10 years. What's his name? John Henry Redgate. John Henry he, Redgate. You guys were too young. You're too young to know him, yeah, but okay. he was the comedy store piano player oh, for a decade. Fuck out. From what, what, what decade? Uh, I think 80, 80s to 90s, maybe. So right before Je- Jeff Scott is the current yeah. piano guy, and he's been there okay. for 20 something, 20, 20 years. years. But yeah. I bet he would know... He John, would know, Henry, John Redgate. Henry Redgate. I'm going to ask Jeff about about yeah. that. I bet he knows him. Probably. Yeah. That's so cool. So did you ever go there when you were younger? No, because I lived on the East Coast. Oh, wow. But, but he was the relative. He has recently passed, but okay. he was the relative who like let me know as a kid How that it was okay to have uh, last month. Yeah. I Someone mentioned that at the comedy store. Yeah. He like someone... It might have been Jeff. Probably. It was like a piano player that used to be the piano. Someone mentioned to me that a longtime comedy store yeah. piano player had passed away. It was probably Jeff. Yeah. Because yeah. what current comedy store like comics would know yeah, who true. the piano guys and all that stuff were from like the yeah. 80s. Unless it was like Don Barris or another older. Yeah, but it was someone was like, oh, one of, a long, one of the. Yeah. Like they saw it on Facebook or something. They were wow. Like, oh, man. Did you yeah. ever hear any crazy stories? No, he was really private and he was really, mm-hmm. but he was the, he was the uncle who let me know that having a career in music was totally cool. Yeah. Like you can do that if you want to. That's great. Cause I came from a really academic family where they were like, you're going to be a doctor. Yeah. Doctor, like, lawyer. Yeah. I'm going to be a rock star and <laughs> yeah. you're lucky if I make it past 20. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Turns out they were right. <laughs> they were totally right. <laughs> wow. What kind of rock star did you have that mapped out? I mean... I would say if I had to pick at the last at the last time when I was really rocking out, I, Amy Winehouse. Okay. That yeah, style, okay. you know, but like Alanis. I was into Alanis. Okay. I love Al Green. Did you ever go to any Lilith fairs? I didn't go to any Lilith fairs, but I did see Radiohead open for Alanis in high school. That was pretty wild. Whoa. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, how, my, how the tide has turned. No <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. I feel like Radiohead hasn't taken one of Alanis's calls in a minute. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. Damn, so, that's insane. Huh. Yeah. Wow. So, like, you know, I, I think I liked, you know, really rocking out. I, I was later than I thought I'd be getting here because I was busy getting the lead out in my car. What so do you mean? It was like triple play Thursday, Led Zeppelin. Oh. And oh. I was like, oh, I'm just going to, when I went to get the sandwiches, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to sit in my car and listen to the rest of this. Yeah. You still got here early though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like on time is really late anyway, so. Oh, that's a good outlook. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your favorite Led Zeppelin song? Oh, uh, Thank You, which is technically Page and Plant, but. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably my favorite. So you would have been an Amy Winehouse. Now, would you still be open to like singing and doing all that stuff on the side for fun oh yeah i still do sometimes so you still do yeah okay because sure. it, it seemed like it would be a hard thing to just be to be like i'm done with that now oh yeah no it'll never end and it okay. certainly doesn't end in my car 
Of course not. Yeah, that's one of the glories of being able to drive around. It's supposed to be on the a, reason I moved here. So yeah. you just sing in the car all the time. East Coast living is like you can't be singing in your car, yelling at yourself, or like no. you know all that stuff. In my car, I'm one of the greatest rock drummers <laughs> this generation yeah. has ever seen. Wait, you're not a multi-instrumentalist in your car? Because I'm guitar, no, drums. I am yeah. devoted to the percussions. <laughs> right, the only okay. time I'm ever a drummer is if it's Phil Collins. <laughs> really? I'm totally a drummer. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. So do you keep where you perform secret? Oh, no, not at all. Do you like secret open mics? Or do you actually do gigs? No, I would do gigs. I don't think I would do an open mic at this point. Okay, you're yeah. beyond that. I'm beyond that. Okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know what your your like your resume is like. I can be caught doing karaoke in like a private room. Uh-huh. But I don't really think karaoke is fun in a big place because I think when you actually have had a career as a singer, people expect you to be really great and then you can't have any fun at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. no, I can only do songs I know I'm really good at singing. I because that, yeah. if I try to do something just because I'm having a good time, people are like, oh, I thought you were a singer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks. Not so, me. okay. Did you, did, did you ever, did, sorry, did you ever put out any records or anything like that? I am on some albums. I no did not way. put any out. But what they, ones? I can be found on a couple of albums. I was on a Lexical Daisy album. Okay. I was on a um, Hawaiian slide guitar album. That's interesting. Singing a lullaby. Um, And then I did an album when I was in college with Keith Richards and Hubert Sumlin and Eric Clapton. What? That did not come out. (laughs) A double what? (laughs) That's a shame. And it is like the saddest thing. Yeah. So I worked for Hubert Sumlin in college. He was a blues guitarist. He played with like Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf and... Those hacks. Those hacks, yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. He wanted to do an album with people who had been inspired by him. Well, I mean, the company did. I'm sure yeah. he didn't care. He was always like, little girl, go get me some marijuana. And I'd be like, I can't do that, Hubert. <laughs> yeah. It's illegal. Um, he has also, unfortunately, since passed. But so we made an album, and apparently there were like all kinds of rights issues. And I think that Keith Richards has it now in his own Whoa. personal possession. But I do not know for sure. But the last I heard was that he bought the rights to it and the recordings and everything and yeah so it never came out so that's why Man, that sucks. that's why i'm a that's therapist those so <laughs> <laughs> now you'd be touring with the stones yeah, yeah. that's crazy yeah um yeah wh- so do you have uh, any gigs coming up i don't no. you, right now i'm just focused on the show okay what season is, is that in it's now season six, six. six? it's okay. wednesday nights at 10 p.m on vh1 okay and I think there are one or two episodes left. Okay. It's getting pretty close to the end. And then if people want to find you online, where do oh, they do I'm that? At the Sarah Novia. Okay. So on all I try Sarah to with an H? the same. Yeah. Novia H. with an N O V I A. His girlfriend in Spanish. With all those things. With all those things. And like a website or anything else if people want to Yeah, I have a website. It's www.knovia.com. That's sort of my therapy website. What's the K? Um it's a silent K. Because when your last name means girlfriend in Spanish, you have no shot of getting a website with it. Oh, oh so you had to, all right. <laughs> okay, yeah. So you have to make do, okay. and uh, and then, but really, I think if you're looking for a therapist, the mm-hmm. best way to go is through Psychology Today or Therapic. dot com. So you can therapic see, is spelled T H uh, E R 
a p i c k dot com with a k okay yeah, therapic dot com so. and then that way you know if you're if you are interested in getting therapy with me you're certainly welcome to but i always suggest that anyone who wants to come see me also check out a couple of other therapists websites and videos etc yeah. to make sure that they think that i'm really the best fit for them that's the mark of a professional that goes yeah. like look at other people too don't right. just i don't i don't want to just want your money no i want you to pick me because yeah. i'm going to help you yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great yeah. Um, cool. Well, thank you for doing thank this. You're very welcome. Much. Yeah, so, thanks how for long have me. we? Two hours. That's great. <laughs> would have cost Record breaker. $380. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a fortune. We got it for free. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you again. All right. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me.